Albuquerque's macro aggression, Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. Tuesday afternoon, I'm Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk on AM 1600, KIVA, rockoftalk.com. Let's have some fun, 550-5500, Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. For those of you viewing, for your viewing pleasure, that is. Um, <laughs> that just sounds funny. How about uh, podcasting us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify? How about downloading us in our app at rockoftalk.com, rockoftalk.tv? If you hear any buzz or hiss up in uh, KRSN uh, Los Alamos, uh, and uh, Santa Fe, uh, you can also go to 107.1. You hear those uh, tonal beeps. Uh, I'd love to hear from anybody who's hearing uh, from it. Uh, very important to me, to our radio station, and, of course, to uh, David and Gillian Sutton, uh, who actually own that radio station that I lease from, and uh, glad to be uh, working with them. Good, good people. Uh, please support their flower shop up in Los Alamos. Uh, Dad Muska, hour one here on this last mm-hmm. day of August, sir. How are you? I'm working on an interesting document right now. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna actually, uh, I lost eight hours of my life, folks. I, I lost it. I lost it to Jessica Dyer. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, the uh, last name, she's a, a let me tell you, um, a, a journalist of journalists, uh, a really a consummate professional. I was very, I, I would say I'm not very impressed with most people. Is that is that a fair thing to say? I think we, we, we both see the world that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm generally not. I'm very impressed with her. Whatever she writes about me, good, bad, or indifferent, uh, or ugly, I don't care. Um, I lost eight hours of my life to her um, by filling out her 28-question questionnaire. <laughs> and I was the first to do so, by the way. And she was very adamant about getting it. Now, this, of course, by the way, folks, I am running for mayor. You may have um, heard. May, you may have, you may have heard. heard or not have heard if you're listening to other stat- stations and you're tuning in for the first time. Who is that Eddie Aragon? Why does that guy think he can be mayor? What qualifies you to be mayor? Like, I get these questions all the time. And I'll tell you, I mean, I do all my interviews without notes. I do everything with, you know, just uh, uh, speaking extemporaneously. I read a lot. Dowd reads more. Um, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, Literary consumption here in the Kiva. Indeed. And uh, I will tell you that, uh, you know, we put out a, a choice product there out in the marketplace at rockoftalk.chat, which is also very cool. And uh, I got to tell you, um, when you meet these reporters, you got to be on the ready because she is firing away. Um, let me tell you, she is uh, at least as intelligent, if not more intelligent than I am. Uh, and uh, I will... That's good I, to hear because there's so few journalists out there that right? have a brain. Don't you think? Yeah. It, like I would tell you that she, uh, the stamina, the woman went for two and a half hours on me in the studio while I was sitting right there. No yawn, no stop. She scribbled to, I counted the pages. Uh, Jessica, you're welcome to go ahead. Uh, 18 yellow, she went through a yellow pad. 18 pages, doubt. Copious notes. A journalist doing her job. Wow. You should have seen her back and forth, back and forth on the pages. I'm like, I'm going to start reading this woman more and more. This is very interesting. Uh, now, uh, she is uh, very uh, overly professional in, in such a way that I would almost say she's robotic. Is that a good, bad, bad thing? I don't know. But I certainly uh, felt fine. Um, and the thing is, the big takeaway is I answered these questions two and a half, uh, five and a half hours to complete the questionnaire, two and a half hours to uh, do the interview. And, eight uh, hours in total. Eight hours in total. 
I That's started, a day's work with one journalist. I started last night and I sort of laid everything out as you do. You know, you lay out your socks, your shoes, your underwear, your everything uh, uh, for the night. And uh, you say, okay, well, here's how I'm going to get started tomorrow. Got up bright and early, grabbed myself a cup of coffee, ready to go. And I started scribbling through all of the questions. And um, Dow just peruse some of the questions. You don't have to give the answers. <laughs> Dow has been laughing since he walked into the office as, as uh. he read it. Uh, don't put it up. Remember, we're like on the football field, the NFL football. And so uh, Manny Gonzalez's campaign, they need to be told what to do uh, or when to get funded. And then, of course, you got Tim Keller's campaign, and all he does is read. So. Uh, I would say that these are not po- poll-tested <laughs> answers. These are uh, these are answers from someone who ha- believes very deeply in the position he's coming from. Uh, which is, And I did it without notes except for uh, checking a couple of things, uh, one on homeless and a little bit on crime. But, you know, by and large, it's just, you know, freelance. And the other thing, too, is, which was funny, I'm holding a, uh, what did the guy call it uh, yesterday? The Albuquerque Urinal? Urinal. Yeah, yellow journal, journalism as far as, maybe except for J- uh, Jessica Dyer. I don't know enough about uh, her yet, but I'll jump into it. But what's really interesting is as I'm giving my answers to all this stuff, you know, I'm going through all this, the, these answers and, and writing it out. I was very specific. I did something so incredibly irritating on the answers. I literally layered everything out, and it, every answer is exactly on the button, 50 words. I used all my real estate. If you give me one minute and a half of time, I'm going to use exactly one minute yep. and 31 seconds. Yep. Yep. If you give me two minutes of time, I'm going to use two minutes and a second. You know, I'm always going to go over. That's just good debate. That's just what you do. You don't stop short, right? Except uh, if you're on Seinfeld. What? You stop short on my wife? Stop short. That's my move. That's my move. <laughs> All right, so very quickly, uh, just rattle off a few of the questions. Well, I mean, so you know, know they're, they're sort coming. of typical open-ended questions, but Eddie's answers, which I will not read, uh, you'll you'll have to wait for that in the, in the newspaper, are very specific. So uh, what's the biggest issue facing the city today, and, and how would you address it? Uh, what's your strategy for reducing violent crime? Here's my favorite question. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. Under what circumstances, if any, would you support raising taxes? <laughs> oh, you're going to love that answer, folks. Uh, what are your economic development strategies for boosting small local businesses? Oh. Uh, and here's, boy, uh, talk about a hanging curve. Do you support issuing $50 million in gross receipts tax bonds to fund a new multi-purpose <laughs> soccer stadium for New Mexico that's United's a, use? That's a Raleigh Fingers uh, <laughs> sinker is what that is. That's a sinker. I think if you listen to the show the last few weeks, you yeah. probably, probably know the answer to, to that. The follow-up to that one's even better. Oh, oh, uh, yes. Uh, if the bond passes, what role should the community have in selecting the stadium location? <laughs> answer no, number one, the bond will not pass. Answer number two, the bond will not pass. Answer number three, the bond will not pass. Uh, all right, let's see. What are we going? Uh, what is the city's responsibility to neighborhoods around the Gibson Gateway Ooh. and any future city-owned shelters. GG. That's oh. what they're going to call it. I bet, you, I bet you Tim Keller is already knocking that thing around. That's going to be my legacy over there. A giant homeless camp between knocking down uh, Knob Hill and uh, putting up my... I mean, really? It's it's that bad of an eyesore. It's going to be uh, certainly that. And uh, most people haven't even talked about the capacity. Hmm. All right. More? Uh, a 2020 analysis... Uh, I haven't seen this uh, copy of this, but show that the city needs 15,500, not 15,000 even, 15,500 more affordable housing units to meet demand for those with extremely low incomes. What is your plan to address that gap? Uh, I, I won't read the answer, but my answer would be, uh, why don't you just grow income so we don't have as many low income people? Mm-hmm. That would help a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What large infrastructure projects would you push for in the city's next capital implementation plan? Hmm. Oh, guys, you're going to wait. You're going to love this. Under what circumstances, if any, would you support 
mandatory COVID-19 vaccinations for first responders and other city employees who have direct contact with the public. You know, it was really cool. She thought that was like one of my main issues. Like, you know, you're going to turn that into the mm-hmm. extreme right wing. Like I'm the guy oh, yeah, who's yeah, yeah, going yeah. out and ripping people's face masks off. Right, right, right. right attacking right, people. Right. You're the can't. You're that guy. Right. Uh, but uh, believe it or not, it was very pleasant. We got a good exchange of me personally of uh, of me not living in my radio station. Oh. We took a step back from uh, okay. the, the the gotcha journalism. Yeah, the gotcha <laughs> yellow journalism, yeah. uh, yellow belly journalism over at QB Channel Four. Where I, I'm I'm going to do that move one of these days. I'm going to be uh, you know when when I really want to you know just say mid late sixties be that guy. That shows up and the gotcha moment. You rip out that piece of paper and you put it out in front of somebody. Like, what do you have to say about this? I'm going to do that after I'm all retired. I give the radio station to the kids. Oh boy! And um, you know, let them go to town. Hope they let the, me be the janitor. Yeah. Um, so a couple of uh, what plans do you have to raise the quality of life for Albuquerque? Ooh, what residents? is what is life? What is? I, I'd like to know. The question is, what is? Uh, I won't. These are not Eddie's answers. I'll give you my answer. Um, how about we don't set a record for murders in my first year on the job? That, that, uh, that's that would we'd start there. I did uh, not use the word murder in any of my answers. Oh, okay. Right. Just a little. Um, what specific metrics would you use to gauge your success as mayor? These I literally just scribbled out, and I just want to say to you folks, um, I, unlike my opponents, uh, will form my own answers. I, unlike my opponents, won't be consulting with political consultants. Mm-hmm. I, unlike my opponents, am not going to be publicly funded. I, unlike my opponents, am not a Democrat. I, unlike my opponents, is currently not getting paid from the government and looking for more government. Jeez. I mean, if you actually put Manny's salary on top of the money that he will ostensibly be receiving, sure. uh, you put him in uh, three quarters of a million dollars to receive from the government. Uh, if you put uh, the same thing for Tim Keller, he'll be receiving three quarters of a million uh, dollars. And I will bet you, I will bet you, based upon the money that we have received, uh, we are currently, uh, let me put it as yesterday. So I'm going to tell you what we need. I'm not going to give you the number. And then at the end, I'll tell you what the number is going to be, which you'll be so excited. We need to raise $7,000 here. And I'm perfectly well within my rights. Um, I'm not sure which attorneys need to hear this or what we need to discuss about or you deciding that you have to go after my license. I'll tell you what's worse is going after the license um, of a bigger station for not mentioning my name specifically during their time of renewal, which expires October 1st, the 2021. That is also known as AKA electioneering as well. So just a little FYI for you. Uh, if you want to go ahead and uh, do do your job, you guys can do that as well. So I'm, I'm well within my rights to go ahead and do it. I'm in an ownership position not an employee of the station. So also think about that. Oh, another little hit piece came in. Uh, Joe Monahan was so kind as to kind of telegraph the uh, punch. You never want to telegraph the punch uh, that's coming out here. And um, I sent a little, a little message over to uh, friends of Manny. Uh, one of the, uh, Manny's been in my living. He's been in my, he sat right there at the table there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> he says, uh, Gonzalez is fighting a two front war with Keller. And also radio talk host, Eddie Aragon. It's like radio talk host is just such a, it's so beneath all of us. The yes, guy who just yells on the radio. Yep, yep. Right? I mean, he's such a yell. The only Republican on the ballot and who is eating into Gonzalez's conservative Hispanic support. What? Uh, Gonzalez is eating into Keller's progressive <laughs> support. He's got Black Lives Matter. He's got, right? Yeah, he's got well. Black Lives Matter running his campaign. Shannon Clellan. Right. California liberal. Did we get that right? The sheriff's forces are now contemplating legal challenges. 
Why would you go out and say that? Why would you go and telegraph that and say that you're doing? And really, I don't know if that anything would backfire worse than and smack of more desperation than deciding to issue a challenge within 60 days to get your competition out after you already don't have the money publicly that you've been begging, pleading, crying for at this point. Go and do it. If anything, Manny should get out of the race. Can you imagine wanting to run for mayor for such a long uh, period of time to get that many things wrong, commit fourth-degree felonies on behalf of your own campaign, have three, not one, two, but three ethics complaints leveraged against you, right, and still keeping your job and being the highest law enforcement person in Bernalillo County? I mean, you want to talk about uh, trouble? That's trouble. If somebody wanted to bring a criminal prosecution to his front door, they could certainly do that. They've signed off on that. So they want to bring legal challenges concerning his legal residency. Check it. You want to talk about me being a Mr. Night Watchman? You can talk about that too. Also about the another use of his radio station as a financial platform for his candidacy. Why didn't you go after that for the votes? For the platform? If it's if it's not enough to go ahead and hit me on the uh, signatures that we gathered in order to get that done, uh, why would you? W- w- why didn't you go after that? If you're going to try and go after financial platform and in terms of in-kind donation, again, not an employee, currently an owner. 550-5500, that's 550-5500. So much to get to here in this afternoon's edition of the Rock of Talk. We are raising money. Fightfor505.com, that's fightfor505.com. You can certainly do that. This meaningless uh, AM radio station at the end of the dial that 150 people listen to has managed to not only get me on the ballot, um, but hey, you know, if it's just a buzz and humming sound, we had to do some repairs last night on the radio station. The stroke of midnight, we did that until uh, 4.30 a.m. Maintenance uh, uh, sometimes happens, just so you guys know. I just want to you all to understand that in the midst of, of all of this, we still have a job to do. Um, that, of course, is create awareness about other social issues that are beyond the uh, very self-centered uh, focus of uh, our mayor's race. But I wouldn't have to talk about it so much if other people were talking about it. I have maybe two days if I decide to go ahead and do that and, uh, uh, you know, uh, avoid the airwaves as of midnight of uh, September 2nd, which would only give us to tomorrow. So I appreciate the indulgence. Uh, Thank you for the large, sizable contributions coming from many of our people uh, out there. Uh, We need $7,000 more dollars. Fightfor505.com. That's fightfor505.com. We appreciate uh, everybody tuning in. Dowd, what are we going to hear from uh, you today on? Well, um, some interesting things. One that really ticks me off is journalism, activism journalism that we're seeing from the local uh, TV station here. I believe it's, it's KRQE or KOB. It's uh, K-O- KOB. Going after a private physician for prescribing medication that in his professional judgment. That's KOB Channel 4. Uh, that's KOB Channel 4, um, the TV station. Going after a private physician for prescribing medicine that he legally can prescribe using his professional judgment, which is what we want all our healthcare providers to do for us, to give us their rendering of their perception of the threat and what the, what the solution might be to a health threat to you. And he's been apparently ratted out. Somebody dropped a dime on, uh, on this doctor for using an off-label medication, which physicians are permitted to do. In fact, Eddie, I brought the FDA language with me today to uh, reveal that this uh, notion of anybody prescribing hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin is somehow killing their patients, doing things improper or illegal. Uh, That's, by the way, misinformation, folks. Madness. Madness. Ivermectin cannot kill you. 
Uh, yeah, uh, but that, but of course, Bad Orange Man last year said some positive things about some of these therapeutics and treatments, which, of course, we all know that only the vaccine will make COVID, you know, nastiness, shutdown, lockdown go away. Uh, this is some of the worst journalism I've ever seen, Eddie, and it doesn't really, it's, it, 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 you know, talking about gotcha journalism going after a mayoral candidate. This is a guy just tending to his own business, just, you know, prescribing a medication he thinks in his professional judgment is appropriate for his patient. This is some of the lowest the scummy uh, pseudo journalism I've ever seen from KOB, and I believe the reporter Tommy Lopez is the reporter who went after uh, went after this. Yeah, position, so. Tommy Lopez. Uh, mm, don't get me started. Don't get me started. Tommy Lopez. We're checking into the. I mean, I don't know the delivery on that station. I don't know the level of uh, irritation is certainly high. Uh, not to mention the angular uh, journalism came in. I, I texted uh, Chris Ramirez directly. I let him know um, unabashedly that I did not appreciate him, you know, <laughs> putting out the images of the kids, but we left it there. No response. And uh, we'll live to fight another day. Oh, and also very quickly, yeah. uh, maybe after the break, we'll get into it. Uh, New Mexico, the least hardworking state in the union, Let's not my data, that. someone else's data. Remember politics transcends culture. That's something we got to change. Get your asses to work each and every day, folks, and we'll talk more about that when we return. 422 here in the Kiva. Thanks for listening. I'm Nancy Giblin, owner of Sugar Hollow, a boutique residential assisted living community in the historic Albuquerque Country Club neighborhood. Dedicated to exceptional care for your loved one, Sugar Hollow provides daily wellness activities that engage the mind, body, and spirit. Join us for Happy Hour Fridays, Sugar Hollow style, featuring local musicians playing tunes your loved ones will recognize and enjoy. Visit Sugar Hollow by calling 270-0801. Boutique style assisted living, 270-0801. Music is the great communicator on MakeUsGodlyAgain.com. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Sometimes we just need to pick me up. MakeUsGodlyAgain.com. Ready for some adventure? Then explore our new array of Lear's superior camper shells and tonneau covers at Smith's Ultimate Linings. Fiberglass base rails, trimless edges, DuPont automotive finish. Enjoy the safety and superior advantages Lear offers. We'll even take $100 off with a purchase of a shell and liner. Visit our website at smithsultimate.com or call us at 505-332-1403 to begin your journey today with Smith's Ultimate Linings. Albuquerque-based Pluma Construction Systems provides a full suite of commercial construction services and residential remodeling. Pluma Construction is a service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. Former President Ronald Reagan said, To grasp and hold a vision, that is the very essence of successful leadership. Leaders set a destination. Leaders have a vision. They communicate that vision. They are passionate about their vision. They make sure everyone in their organization understands the vision. Their vision attracts and affects every employee in the workplace. Do you know your destination? Does your team know your destination? President Reagan also said, The challenge of statesmanship is to have the vision to dream of a better, safer world and the courage, persistence, and patience to turn that dream into reality. What is the vision for your company? This Leadership Minute was brought to you by Pluma Construction Systems. To discuss your construction project, call 505-345-0755. 
or visit plucys.com. Pepper Gone Wild, located in Rio Rancho, pampering your pets with a full-service dog wash. Pet Food Gone Wild, two stations for one to three dogs at a time, cats too. I'm Susanna, owner of Pet Food Gone Wild, ready to solve pets' anxiety from summer thunderstorms? Come into Pet Food Gone Wild for calming treats, 10% off, pets.theplaceilike.com. Get your mobile coupon and tap to call Pet Food Gone Wild at pets.theplaceilike.com. Hey, it's Eddie Aragon. The staff at ABQ Guns stands for your Second Amendment rights, but they believe other freedoms are under attack by the governor's orders. Small businesses are bearing the weight of those health orders, and ABQ Guns believes she owns our state's economic collapse. ABQ Guns urges you to shop local for firearms, ammo, and accessories. Stop by the shop in Riverside Plaza, on Coors, north of Montano, or visit shop.abqguns.com. ABQ Guns, defenders of your freedom. Want the honesty, affordability, and reliability of a household plumber without the crack? Call Rogers Plumbing and Heating, family-owned and operated since 1973, for all your plumbing needs. Reaching Albuquerque, Baylor, Moriarty, Santa Fe, New Laguna, Pueblo, and anywhere in between. Rogers Plumbing and Heating is not only fast and reliable service, being family-owned and operated since 1973 means they always put their customers first and hold each of their employees to the highest moral, professional, and ethical standards. So when you need a fix without the crack, call Rogers Plumbing and Heating at 243-9703. Amazing Grace Personal Care Services is companion care at a reasonable rate, including mobile assistance, meal preparation, household services, cognitive assistance, and support services, and more. 505-796-4900. That's 426 here in the Kiva. It's all a put on. Listen to this text. Uh, yesterday, some guy was uh, getting after me. I don't, where did that go? Uh, music just disappeared. Uh, a, a guy yesterday was telling me, he said, hey, you know, the whole world is against you, Eddie. That's what that's what you sound like. You're not going to vote it in uh, or get elected like that. Well, <clears throat> I'll be at every one of these events. There is no prerequisite uh, for me to be vaccinated or unvaccinated uh, for any of this. Uh, these debates. Uh, it was a qualifier uh, before going in. Um, they said that they would adhere, quote unquote, to the um, edicts of whatever the place where they would hold it. And I said, well, why are we having this at Sandia Indian Casino? Is there or uh, whatever Sandia? Is it Sandia? I don't know what. what whatever it's called. We're going to have this debate between me and um, the other the other guys. Do I start, do I start referring to them as every single time it refers to them? Do I hit, hit the dump button? Do I do that? Like, you have never seen something like this. Uh, Eddie, I'm wondering if you have heard KKOB's new commercial with Trout, Trout with Keller, Bob Clark with Manny, introducing them, and then you with Eric Strauss saying you're the only unvaccinated candidate. I definitely see through their garbage. I have a feeling you made the prediction that they're going to try not to debate you, and they are setting you up. I told you already this is going to happen. Like, you don't realize how incredibly unfair... And how much they are absolutely doing. They, they can't even stand me because I've beaten their asses so bad. Bob Clark, you're my B. Uh, TJ Trout, you're my B. How about, uh, why don't we take this a little bit further and say the other guy who was on there before, that was, you know, Scott Sigler didn't even know he was going to, same exact thing. 
I mean, if you want to have that debate, I don't have to have any respect for you. But, you know, I think you should probably have respect for the voters in the process by introducing them to all of the candidates. Thanks for that. Anybody who can record that and send that to me, I will play it on my air. And that, that goes for anything that you record and send me. I'll continue to, to play that. Uh, Eddie, when are we going to, when are you taking donations still? And why can I send good old fashioned cash? Uh, we'll take donations uh, all the way to the end. So you can go ahead and uh, do that just by going to fightfor505.com. Eddie, last Friday, the chairman of Tokyo Medical Association said doctors should use ivermectin. Sure he did. Fact is, <laughs> there's a lot of people who are saying that, but they're getting canceled out. They're getting shuttered. They're getting, um, I don't know, blacked out. Is that, is that, can, can you say that? Yeah. Brian Sanderhoff is the Zobra. That's funny. <laughs> uh, Eddie, could you get those million dollar highway traffic signs to actually report traffic and not propaganda? That'd be a good thing. How many times has the state of New Mexico created an accident because they're trying to notify you to beware of the COVID-19, the Delta strain or something like that. I don't think the city of Albuquerque has control over that. Uh, let's see. So an impatient, huh, ordering uh, some oxygen for a patient with pneumonia. Hospital diagnosis was ho- was COVID. This is a medical professional, by the way. So why isn't diagnosis uh, for oxygen pneumonia? <laughs> Would that be because the hospital clinical notes don't support it? So inpatient MD couldn't order the O2 because it didn't support the COVID diagnosis. Patient gets discharged from hospital with no O2. Patient goes to see primary care for hospital for follow-up. Not enough there to support ordering O2 for COVID. Provider has to write order for O2 for pneumonia. So they change the diagnosis to get the order for what they need because they wouldn't provide it. Because likely what they wanted to do is vent the patient. Um. Let me say something without sounding conspiratorial, okay? Um, and this is going to sound, so I'm going to qualify it. I've been telling everybody, if they tried to vent you, run out the door as quickly as you can. Many of these people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, once they start venting, they don't stop being vented until they die. I now know of three people who have all gone through the same process, and I've told them all the same thing. Call me crazy, whatever you want to go ahead and do. Someone going in with 95, 96% oxygen saying you have COVID. Well, you need to go ahead and get vented. You do not need to get vented. Okay. I think the uh, passing oxygen rate is about uh, 90, 91% is what you're, what you're looking for. Sub 90, then you're looking for, but venting people who are above 90% and they say, Oh, well, you, you, you've got COVID. Okay. This is not misinformation. I've seen this, this a trite, a, a tiny bit anecdotal but enough to prove to me that, hey, I've seen this happen multiple times, right? Um, Rudy Grande, by the way, I should give you his condition. He is not doing well. So uh, Rudy has not only had COVID, um, but he has also received the, uh, did he get a one or two dose shot? Do you remember? He got the two, I think. Okay, he got the two dose shot on that. And he got that and I got, I got after him. Uh, Rudy has never been the same. Rudy was fine after COVID. Rudy was not fine after the shot. He'll be the first to tell you that. Those are his words, not mine. Eddie, uh, I, I wish I knew what was wrong, he said, but I am sick again. I will not be on the air today. Thank you for your understanding. I love Rudy. Rudy's a great guy. Eddie, Channel 4 did a hit piece on ivermectin the other night, saying people were taking horse doses from feed stores. Yep. 
right? We're, we're all just a bunch of dumb hicks out there, those Trump supporters. Well, that's all we are over there, right? And that's sort of the way that they characterize this. I mean, when, how much longer can this go on? I took ivermectin that was prescribed to me by Dr. Summers when I had COVID and helped me greatly. I never got any respiratory problems. Channel 4 also said there was no proof that it helped at all. Yet Dr. Summers showed me the medical study out of South America where it was used extensively by the doctors treating COVID patients. By the way, they continue to use it till this day in South America. And no doctor got COVID during the outbreak. That was using it the whole time. Channel 4 should be ashamed for lying to the public. They're acting like a mouthpiece for the little rat Michelle Lujan Grisham. Uh, Eddie, you think that's conspiratorial? Is there organ harvesting going on? <laughs> <laughs> not going to get into it. Eddie, not sure if you've covered Your listeners should know that Manny has historically been anti-Second Amendment. Why don't you call in, Andy? I mean, I'd love to hear from you. You're a, he's, um, uh, Andy runs a, a concealed carry. Um, a class. He's one of two sheriffs that would not stand with the Sheriff's Association for our rights. Even Tony Mace, Democrat sheriff, fought, fought for them and shouldn't be partisan. Love to hear uh, more on that from Andy. Andy, thanks for texting in. I've been emailing Kiobi accusing them of voter suppression. No, that's, so that's not voter suppression. The correct word that you want to use is electioneering. Mm-hmm. Electioneering is also the absence of the use of anything by not naming you as a mayoral candidate. Uh, Eddie has to be less than 88% to qualify for portable O2. Thank you. Um, thanks, Hot Sauce, for uh, getting that in. All right, 550-5500. Let's get to the study uh, that was put out. I'm sure many of you are sharing it on social media. I am not on social media, however, and uh, I do think uh, – let me forward this. Sorry about that. Um, let me do this. I thought I forwarded all the phones. I've got some uh, notices that I have to put out. Good protests going on over at uh, Eubank. You guys want to – uh, jump on board with those um, if you want to get involved. I appreciate it. But uh, yesterday we got a one of the, another one. I, I just can't stop, or I just can't put these at the forefront. It's not something that I want to do. I think it's it's tough to keep ragging on uh, Albuquerque and the state of New Mexico. We got to turn the news around. But this was another study that was put out, and here's one where we came in dead last, as in. The trail, the tail end, or or first, depending on your perspective. <laughs> Maybe you're happy. Probably Politicians not the, are happy. Probably not the year to pass marijuana legalization. If not, not probably not going to help this problem. Yeah. No. All right, Dad, lay it on us. Well, this is a, a personal finance website called Wallet Hub, and you know there's a lot of organizations out there, <laughs> there trying to get clickbait stuff. But I've looked at the methodology of this study, and I like what I see, Eddie. They they computed. Uh, number of factors in determining how hardworking your state is. So average number of uh, work week hours for those employed. Are you, um, are you calling me lazy? <laughs> uh, the number of, this is what I really like. I'm glad they included this. Number of households where no adults work. Uh, that is a statistic I believe the feds keep. Um, share of engaged workers. That's a, a Gallup survey of how you know enthusiastic you are you about your job. Slower, Dowd. I'm sorry. Go very uh, slow and then show where we are on each yes. of these categories. Uh, share of engaged workers. That's a Gallup survey looking at people about uh, asking them, you know, how much do you like your job? How much are you are you enthusiastic going to work? That that kind of stuff. Uh, idle youth. That is the measurement of the rate of residents 18 to 24. Now I don't know that you know certainly old days a 24 year old. Was not considered a youth. You were a grown man, and many of you, many men had families by then. But uh, who are not currently enrolled in school, not working, and have no degree beyond a high school diploma or GED. They also looked at a couple of other metrics, such as the share of workers with multiple jobs. Those 
people out there really, really uh, hustling, uh, the amount of leisure time you spend each day. So this is a pretty solid analysis, I would say. And I, I like the methodology they used. And we came out, the beloved, my beloved land of enchantment came out as the least hardworking state in the union. We were rock bottom. We're down there with West Virginia, New York, Connecticut. Well, well, wait, wait. They're down. Uh, let's get a switch that around. Mm-hmm. You mean they're down there with us? They're down there with us. That's yeah, right. they're, I mean, they're, they're chasing we're, us. We're not down there with them. We we're holding the bottom. Yeah, I mean, basically, the, the top five are northeastern states, West Virginia, where you have uh, obviously a lot of depression, you know, just mental depression, but also economic depression, the coal industry being gutted there, and then New Mexico at rock bottom. And Eddie asked me to take a quick look at some of the uh, workforce for labor force participation rates in in some of these states. Um, Alaska. Now, the labor force participation rate. Wait, wait, we're only we're the only state that's in the twenties. Everybody else is in the thirties. Yes, forties, fifties, and sixties. It's, it's it's pretty bleak. <laughs> I gotta say. Just, um, but anyway, Alaska came out number one there, and it's not very surprising because you've got to work hard to survive in Alaska. Uh, so the percentage of people who are working or looking for a job in Alaska is sixty four point one percent. Sixty four point one percent. Here in our beloved New Mexico, uh, we are unbelievably, we are down at 57.2. We have dropped for, let's see, almost uh, 10 months in a row. Our, our rate is actually not increasing. It's decreasing. Are you calling me lazy? That's what the numbers seem to indicate. Now, in our defense, I, I will say this. Uh, yeah, Eddie, you're right. We're, we're the only one in the 20s overall. But uh, there's some awfully lazy states out there, too. Uh, you know, New York and Connecticut, Rhode Island, these are some pretty low. Uh, Illinois, deep blue state. Oregon, deep blue state. And if you're trying to make any kind of critical race theory accusation here, West Virginia, you talk about New Mexico, we have one of the lowest percentage of white people in the, in the country. West Virginia has the highest percentage of white people in the country. So if you want to make some sort of racial ethnic argument here it just doesn't hold out um Son, are you calling me lazy are you calling me lazy boy um and there are some states that are that are in the south uh that are actually doing pretty well texas uh for example if you want to consider texas a southern or western states uh their their labor force participation rate is a whopping 62.3 our neighbor to the east came out number five hardest working state also our neighbor little brief neighbor with a little panhandle oklahoma came in at number Seven, once again, New Mexico ranking dead last. I guess, I don't know, 70 or 80 years of federal dependence. They haven't really lit a fire under our workers. Uh, has hey, it? Today's going to be a busy day. I got to <clears> head out to the mailbox. <throat> go get the check. See if it comes in. Sad, sad, sad. sad. Well, I'll tell you, um, again, let me reinforce this. Okay. So culture on top of politics. Yes. Okay. Politics transcends culture yes upstream from culture culture is upstream from politics for as long as people can possibly get away with this and this is one of the reasons why we have to move away from dependency and work harder and do what we need to this isn't me insulting you this is me telling you that other people without even stepping foot into here based upon raw data without looking at you so don't take this personally this isn't something that you want to say as a you got a problem with me? No, we don't have a problem with anybody. The problem is, is the data is reinforcing what we already know to be true. Yep. People in the state of New Mexico, by and large, do not like to work. 
employers are frowned upon from every single angle. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment given the uh, initiatives that have been taken in the city of Albuquerque. I mean, doubt if we were to sort of cover how all the laws go for the employees and the workers and none of them go for the employers. I mean, this would be, if I had to go and recruit and say, please come to New Mexico, we have great weather. We have, uh, you know, various components uh, here, including a good educated workforce, even though I'm you know, lying through my teeth there. Uh, we have uh, a high labor participation rate, but, you know, I'm trying to make these things. All of this information would belie the reality. And then, of course, we would not participate. And then you would turn around and blame me. You would blame me for not being able to bring you know, HQ2 from whatever uh, place wanted to be in the state of New Mexico. This has to change. So when we say culture on top, we have to change our culture. I've known, you know, the hardest working men I've ever known. Believe me, they're in my family. They've all worked here. They got up. They, they started working at the age of six and they never stopped working. I started working at age 12, 13. Dad will tell you. He can reach out to me at any time. Are you up? Yep, I, I am. <laughs> what are you doing? Reading. What are and you Eddie doing? frequently reaches out to me at any time. <laughs> yeah. uh, what did you do today, uh, Eddie? Well, I spent uh, eight hours, five and a half hours on a questionnaire and another two and a half hours doing that. Plus, I had to go uh, do my own, uh, own campaign management. Not complaining. I like to work. Oftentimes, you see when people stop working, what happens to them? They die, right? A week after someone retires, a yep. month after somebody yep. retires. It's so incredibly common. Uh, some of my best friends are from the most industrious. Uh, is that a w good way to characterize hardworking people? Sure. Industrious. Sure. North Dakota. These are the people that are salt of the earth. Nobody works harder, in my Farmers. opinion, than the people of North Dakota. And it is damn cold. It could be 20 below, and trust me, they don't blink an eye. Oh, Ed, you should hear the North Dakota accent. You ever hear North Dakota accent? The uh, funny. Between Minnesota and North Dakota, funny people. Oh, yeah, sure, you betcha. <laughs> Everything's your betcha. My name's Jerry Lundergaard. <laughs> going to sell you a car. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love America. I love the I love the dialects. They're all they're all very they're very amusing. Very amusing. That is straight up. That is straight up on it. That is so perfect. You should just walk around state to state doing different accents. You know, my wife made a casserole. You want me to bring it by? <laughs> see, see, ladies and gentlemen, this is called making fun of all people. That's what we do here. It's not racist, oh, okay? Espanol police plotter, not racist. We make fun of everybody. I insult my Irish ancestry on an almost daily basis, okay? Get over it. We love them. We love all of our people. <laughs> of course. So, so North Dakotans are very, very industrious people. And honestly, some of the nicest, uh, most plain people you've ever met. And I mean that in a very complimentary way. It doesn't take a whole lot for them to be happy. Mm -hmm. Although they, I've never known a North Dakotan not to stay in an absolutely uh, miserable marriage. It's impossible <laughs> for them to for be life. For <laughs> life. It's like, we signed up for this thing. We're not getting divorced. No way. I mean, that's just... I've just seen it one too many times. So uh, anyway. Well, I mean, the, the final point about the, sure. the, the race here, Eddie, it, race or ethnicity. Um, okay, so this is an attack on uh, Latino Americans. Uh -huh. Well, let's see. New Mexico may have the highest percentage of uh, Latino Americans. Our neighbor to the east, Texas, has like the second or third highest, and they're in the top ten for hardest working. So how do you square that? Um, New Hampshire, you want to go white people? New Hampshire and West Virginia both have 94% plus white folks. New Hampshire, in the top 10 hardest working. 
West Virginia, second only to New Mexico at the bottom. As Eddie says, it's culture, not the kind of blood that runs in your veins or the kind of skin pigmentation you have. Culture, culture, culture. We've had a dependency culture in New Mexico. You could have, if you had trotted out New Mexico's dependency culture in North Dakota or Maine or Illinois or Florida, the same results would have happened. So, uh, one of the things that intrigues me about the Eddie Aragon candidacy is I have never heard anyone running for a prominent position in New Mexico who is willing to give the tough love that is needed in this state. And uh, Eddie talking about uh, breaking that culture of dependency and, and embracing a hard work culture. Um, we're going to see how it plays in New Mexico. Maybe people need to hear that honesty. Well, let's, uh, you know, if I want to kind of go back to what I was saying before, the separation is like, I'm not a Democrat. Mm. I'm the, what, what sets me apart from the, uh, from the other candidates? Read is I think it's like the last, second, last question. Uh, last number question. one is I care a lot. I number care. Two, wait, wait. I care, comma. Yes. A lot. Yes. Uh, number two, I am not a politician. <laughs> now, Eddie was tempted to write, I am not a scumbag in here, but he wrote, I am not a politician. Number three, I am not a Democrat. I am a, all caps, Republican. Uh, four, I am not taking public money for my campaign. Uh, they are fighting over your tax dollars for their campaigns. Number five, I am well-rounded, multifaceted, entertaining, and I close. I close. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly it. You want the closer at the very end. All right. Back after a quick break. Uh, more great talk would return. 446. We need to raise seven. Wow. You guys are amazing. You guys uh, raised about $1,500 there in that segment. Appreciate uh, you. Fightfor505.com. Hi, I'm Ben Lucero, president and owner of Indigo Mortgage and proud to be a locally owned and operated mortgage company right here in New Mexico. Being local carries many positives for consumers, such as being able to meet face-to-face, you will receive quick response times, and all loans are processed here locally. And you will always talk with the same people from application to funding. All of our employees live here, and all profits from loan origination stay right here in New Mexico. Indigo Mortgage believes in supporting our local economy. And if at all possible, we use local vendors for supplies and technical support. I personally hire and vet all loan officers, and I assure you that your loans will be dealt with both ethically and with knowledge. Indigo Mortgage can offer the best rates and terms available on the market, so contact us today on the net at indigomortgage.net or by calling 836-5700. That's 836-5700. Indigo Mortgage, because nobody cares more about your mortgage loan. NMLS, 188-348. This is Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. Glad to be here with you to help your business. And right now, businesses are in desperate need of cash flow. Many businesses aren't going to make it through this crisis without a solution. Michael Trujillo has that solution. Host of Your Money Matters, 1130 a.m. on Saturday. Michael, how can you help these businesses get cash flow today? Well, Eddie, all they have to do is pick up the phone, give us a call, and we can help them with that cash flow because we have many different federal programs that businesses can qualify for. But more importantly, we we also have over 100 lenders on hand ready to go ahead and provide these loans to businesses so that they can continue when we are open again for business. Let's help your small business today, folks. If you own a car dealership, commercial real estate, you have a restaurant, how about a funeral home, software development firms, engineering firm, plumbing and heating, you name it, Michael can help you. 856-1171, 856-1171, or you can email him directly, michael at michaeltrujillo.com. That's michael at michaeltrujillo.com. 
Hi, this is Mark Minacucci with the Minacucci Insurance Agency. We are privately held and locally owned. We market property and casualty insurance products and risk management services primarily to a variety of companies located within New Mexico and the surrounding states. We are able to meet the needs of a large international company as well as small local businesses. We focus on construction, onshore energy, defense contractors, healthcare, professional liability, and a variety of other industries. Call us today at 883-3683, 883 3683. Make Sugar Hollow Assisted Living a home away from home experience for your loved one. In the historic Albuquerque Country Club neighborhood, Sugar Hollow is beautiful and peaceful with one of Albuquerque's lowest resident to caregiver ratios. Home cooked meals, activities, medication assistance, boutique style care with a focus on dignity and quality of life. Visit Sugar Hollow by calling 270-0801. Dignity and trusted care. Sugar Hollow, 270-0801. Salon Deluxe and Tanrio West have partnered together to offer hair, nail, and skin care with our signature Solatone, Lumi Facial, and Lumi Lift, and Brazilian Blowout. And this is Deb Slight from Tanrio West Life. We specialize in permanent makeup, tattoo removal, Botox, Juvederm, spray tan, and eyelash extensions. You can reach us at 896-0586 at the salon or call Deb at Tanrio, 994 2390. We're located at the Country Club Plaza in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. In our increasingly busy world, it is always nice to take a little time to sit down and relax. At Monty's Cigar Shop, we offer everything to help you do just that. There's nothing better than spending time smoking a great premium cigar with family and friends. Monty specializes in artisanal, hand-rolled cigars that make up just 2% of the worldwide cigar market. With over 2,000 different kinds of the absolute best cigars for you to choose from, you are guaranteed to find the perfect fit. Whether you've been smoking cigars for years or you're just starting now, we'll find the right cigar for you. Stop by and see us at 3636 San Mateo in Albuquerque or give us a call at 505-881-7999. That's 505-881-7999. 2020 has impacted so many things, one of which is how we live in our home, how we work from home, do school from home, even how we have meals, social connecting, and enjoying entertainment in our home. This is Tracy Venturi of Venturi Realty Group of Keller Williams Realty. Every year, 10% of homeowners sell their home. For 2021, it's estimated that the number will be even higher. For many, the plan to move in the past year was derailed or postponed, and many more have recognized the need for a different home for how they live now. You may not be ready to sell your home yet, but at some point, you're curious about how much your home is worth. Don't trust an automated online estimate to know the value of what is most likely your most important asset, especially in today's fast-moving market. Call us, the number one Keller Williams real estate group in New Mexico, your neighborhood expert. And when you do decide to sell, don't leave money on the table. You can choose the number one real estate team that will get you premium marketing and maximum value. Call today, 448-8888, or visit us online at welcomehomeabq.com. No matter where your journey starts, it will end at Ann Matthews Bridal, where you will get to say yes to the dress. The Ann Matthews selection from nine top designers, including the Disney collection to 18 different lines, brings the shopping experience of New York and Dallas right here to Albuquerque. Call 890-3736 for your own personal shopping experience. Ann Matthews Bridal, 890-3736. Located across the street from Coronado Center at 6121 Manal Boulevard. All right, 
452. Boy, these guys, they're really keeping an eye on the uh, the big stick. I'd say if you had one, you wouldn't have to talk about it for one. Ooh, hell. Uh, Eddie, if there's a way you can podcast today's show of that guy who replaces Darren White, uh, that would be Jim Villanucci. Uh, he said you tried to hire him but couldn't pay. If you didn't hear this, you might want to hear it. Uh, the commercial is towards the end. Well, you got to send me the link. Okay, so here's the funny thing about Jim Villanucci. When he came into town, okay, um, the guy over at 1017, the team, Forget the guy that uh, runs that. I remember, he bought the Super Bowl for me for the rights like three separate times. <clears throat> so, because I had the rights because we had a bigger signal. Um, 1017, the team doesn't actually have a big signal. It's like 3,000 watts at the base of the uh, Sandias, hmm. like where it's broadcasting from, and it gets a lot of haze and hiss uh, sometimes. Uh, anyway, it's not a good, good signal. They paid too much money for that. So, can you look at the CEO or whatever it is for 1017, the team? You mind doing that? Since since we're gonna make me a subject, we'll make we'll make we'll make you the star of the show, Jim Villanucci. Um, Villanucci was coming back after some hard times. He was hitting rock bottom, hanging out on the literally the streets of Vegas. Now, uh, you know, hugged the man in his living room. I asked him, uh, "You're welcome to the show uh, from ten to one if you want to take on uh, El Rushbo." Because the first thing he said, he, he was at KXL. Uh, by the way, very, very bad ending. Didn't go, didn't go well. Um, so anyway, this is, this is all true. Um, you can, you can verify reports on this stuff as well. And so, uh, he made the, uh, horrible mistake and he said he had no interest in, in coming over here. I've got the, uh, text that he also sent me, the email. Me, um, the last, the last words he said to me are F off, something along those lines. Let's see. Wow. Let's see. Yeah, here we go. Checking in, scroll down. See where it's at. Hello, it has been nice getting to talk to you these past few days. A couple of think things. I do think that we will be working together someday. I'm going to read this to you verbatim. This is actually better than I remember. I am going to go to KKOB. Just M. Uh, he writes this on... September 18th of 2018, just as he came back into town. Okay. And to go work at 10117. So he says that he's going to KQB. Well, where is he going? So at that time, he was going to replace Scott Stigler. He made the mistake of communicating that to me. Probably not the smart thing to do. So I called his old boss, uh, Milt McConnell, had a bunch of fun with him. And anyway, Bob's your uncle, funny stuff. So. <laughs> So he communicated that to me, like I'm like I'm not your friend, bro. I'm trying to actually give you an opportunity if you want to go ahead and be on an actual talk station and let sports be sports and let talk be talk. I've been listening to talk forever. So Jim, this is what he writes. I'll be happy to screenshot and send it out. Uh, there's no uh, disclaimer at the end of it. So uh, I'm going to go to KKOB. I just am. That is the end of that discussion. I have unfinished business over there. Jim Villanucci writes. That will finish at some point. Something will probably happen. Radio being radio. And I may end up at your place. <laughs> uh, uh, Dowd, I just want to let you know, you know, <laughs> where you're at is a terrible place. <laughs> well, you're at least three times smarter than he is. Is that, that a good way to come over the top of that? I mean, <laughs> seriously. Um, hello. This is literally the, the skill set here. Hello. Soundbite. Hello. That, that's all you get. That's that's the 
That's the, that was the top of the market, folks, for talk radio for 14 years. Radio being radio, and I may be, end up at your place. It does not work the other way around. Okay, so I, I love getting preached to by a guy who doesn't even own the uh, anything underneath his feet. Okay, all right, very funny. Uh, that is the order of things. It does not work the other way around. He writes me, I could never do it in the reversed order. Just think about it. Let's let's let that be the plan. I like that. I mean. You know what? You know what's great about these guys? They're never condescending. <laughs> ever. Don't, don't ever think these guys are ever condescending towards you, right? Uh, here's what would screw that up. Uh, don't worry. I did it for you, Jim. Uh, if we make calls to show to Scott's show, if we do things to block my job at KKOB, if we call my good mentors and pretend to be the IRS, crap like that. He used another word. I know you like to joke around and bully people. Is that bullying? I'm, you guys got, you guys are bullying me. I don't have any problem with that. You can do it. You might have grow some thick skin if you're going to be a talk show host. And you have this whole persona that is really not who you are. And I get it. What persona? I literally am the nicest person you know. Dad will persona tell you. is not who you are? Yeah, who, who I am. This, my online persona or on-air persona is not who you are. And I get it. We're a lot alike that way. And I nearly as crazy as I let on. And like you, I have used it to get many, many things. So it takes one to know one. So he literally thinks I'm manipulating people to get something. Yeah, this is good. I, I'm telling you, folks, like, I, I literally have all this stuff buried that's just out there. So it's, it's all an act with Eddie Aragon. When, yes, when Mike's not day, off, that's right. he goes into full silver hair, ponytail, trustafarian <laughs> mode. Yeah, and he's got his Bernie stickers on the vehicle. And oh, yeah, it's, it's all an act. Okay, I ain't, uh, Jim Belinderji says, I ain't nearly as crazy as I let on, and I used to have to, I used to get it many, many things, so it takes one to know one. Oof, whatever. So from one crazy alpha dog to another, don't pull any crap, use another word. Don't threaten to pull any crap, uses another word. Let there be no whiff of crap. Does that sound like a threat to you? The Verge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to do a guest spot on your show. I want to see how that goes. I want to see where we can get along and who does what becomes of that. But I'm a 55-year-old man who has been through hell and back. That's good. Glad you made it. The U.S. government has determined that I am crazy and will pay me a nice sum of money. What does that mean? That is, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I'm pretty crazy. Can I, can I get money from the federal government? Too? What does that mean? Do you, can I get a nice sum of money from the federal government? <laughs> I can prove it with forms, you know, like mental health professionals can fill them out for me. Can I, can I, can can I money? go to a psychiatrist and get certified <laughs> to collect money from the federal government? I'm all in if that's the real. I mean, that's that real. Is I that all I got to do? Yeah. What does it take to get that? How do you, how do you hit that threshold? Is he talking about disability? I don't know. I mean, I know some people. I don't people... even know what that means. It says, I have been through hell. I want to see how it goes. I'm a 55-year-old man who has been, like, it's like a confessional. It's a little weird. I, like I guess SSI and SSDI for mental conditions. I don't know. Who get cares? Federal money. But I am a 55-year-old man who's been through hell and back, and the government has determined that I am crazy. Probably when after you wrote this email to me. Yeah, it didn't help your cause. <laughs> <laughs> will pay me a nice sum of money. As soon as I tell them I need it, so I really give zero Fs, except I do want to go back to my old show. So I guess he wants to replace TJ Trout. Is that, is that what's going on here? Mm, watch your mouth. See, see how, step there see how that goes. Okay. And probably end up my career at the uncensored house of Eddie. Yeah, I've, there we go. I'm totally fine with that. It'd be great. And I'd probably break up with you 12 times and, and still like you. I like Dad, that phrase, the uncensored house of Eddie. I'm, I'm, I'm copying that down. Right yeah, copyright. You like uh, that. That was not Dad, crazy. How, how many times have we broke up? A couple. Four. I think four. <laughs> four. Yeah. 
but people are promoting me on next door. That sounds kind of risque. Don't promote from <laughs> just the way that sounds next door. I have this guy. He's on the radio. He's running for mayor. <laughs> Eddie Aragon is next yeah, door. Run. Next door. <laughs> uh, Eddie, I hope you understand. Part of my recovery is I have to apologize and be a good person. Oh. oh. Friend of Bill W? I don't know. I don't mind. I love friends. I love friends of Bill. A lot of those people turn their lives around. They're crazy. Everybody, everybody should know that I love friends of Bill. If you're a friend of Bill, I love you. Really. I'm there for you. I'm there for you, dog. Uh, I can't do that if I have a partner being a told them random whatever to these same people. Having said all that, oh, I guess he took talk to Milt. I think you are hilarious. Don't go changing. Just don't go crapping in my sandbox and go, what, what? I was just joking around and having it. Let's plan the show. And yes, I'll be prepped. I'm not as clever as you think, go F yourself, Jim. Jim Bellinucci. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, there you go. <laughs> there, was a, there was a review of a play one time, and the review, the entire review was one sentence. I think it was, it is impossible to criticize unyielding imbecility. And I, I, I can't, Eddie, I can't make hide nor hear that message. I, I wow. I had to block him. You know, I, I literally had. That's to just, like David Lynch on acid. I, I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, I uh, had to block him, and so so a guy just wrote. He says, if there's a way you can podcast today's show, there are places. Darren White. He said you tried to hire him but couldn't pay. If you didn't hear this, you might want to hear it. Well, there you go. There's my full email from Jim Villanucci under the crimes of libel and unable or uh, needing to prove myself. Sue me. See how that goes uh, for you. How about that? Five fifty, fifty five hundred. We gotta get to that doctor. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, Right after the break, right here in the Kiva on AM 1600 Looking for a full-service landscaping company that can design, build, and maintain your landscape? True West Landscape is the company for you. Whether you are a property manager or homeowner looking for that quality weekly service, True West is here to help. Contact the True West team of professionals today so we can show you our quality service options at 505-395-7770, 505-395-7770, or visit online at truewestgroup.com. Sun's up and dine-in tables are open every day at Sunny Side Up on Manola, Louisiana. Avocado toast, chicken avocado omelet, and any of Sunny Side Up's healthy, tasty lunch choices. Sunny Side Up specials are yours online. Sunny, that's a place I like.com. Auto thieves make stealing your vehicle a priority. We make preventing your vehicle from being stolen ours. RevelcoNM.com. 505-550-4994. 505-550-4994. Five five zero four nine nine four. Hey, Grandpa and Stella. We need to get back to work. We are working, Eva. Yeah, all this cleaning and sanitizing is hard work. You do it right like we do. Exactly, Stella. Especially while serving all the yummy Monroe's food with a smile. Behind the mask. And in a safe, sanitized place. Hey, hey Eva, Eva, we, we want a raise. I'll give you two a raise. Go and raise the flag and get back to work. We are going to Monroe's in Heights and downtown. Directions at chili.theplaceilike.com. 
When it comes to vehicle maintenance and repair, you want a place where you can be sure you're going to get reliable, honest, and quality service. A place where a credentialed automotive expert will work on your vehicle and explain exactly what needs to be done and at a fair and honest price. And so important, where you won't be charged for parts and unnecessary service you may not even need. Now, where's this place? JJ's Premier Tire and Service, a one-stop shop for all your auto needs. Alignments, oil changes, brakes, computerized diagnostics, tune-ups, suspension, air conditioning, and more. And JJ's, the tire dealer for all major brands, including Michelin, Firestone, and Goodyear. Hi, I'm JJ, and we've built our reputation on honest, fair-priced auto repair. We promise you excellent auto service, and we treat our customers the way we want to be treated. Trust JJ's Premier Tire and Service on San Antonio, just west of Wyoming. Call 821-5771. Ready for some adventure? Then explore our new array of Lear's superior camper shells and tonneau covers at Smith's Ultimate Linings. Fiberglass base rails, trimless edges, DuPont automotive finish. Enjoy safety and superior advantages Lear offers. We'll even take $100 off with a purchase of a shell and liner. Visit our website at smithsultimate.com or call us at 505-332-1403 to begin your journey today with Smith's Ultimate Lining. Albuquerque-based Pluma Construction Systems provides a full suite of commercial construction services and residential remodeling. Pluma Construction is a service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. Former President Ronald Reagan said, To grasp and hold a vision, that is the very essence of successful leadership. Leaders set a destination. Leaders have a vision. They communicate that vision. They are passionate about their vision. They make sure everyone in their organization understands the vision. Their vision attracts and affects every employee in the workplace. Do you know your destination? Does your team know your destination? President Reagan also said, The challenge of statesmanship is to have the vision to dream of a better, safer world and the courage, persistence, and patience to turn that dream into reality. What is the vision for your company? This Leadership Minute was brought to you by Pluma Construction Systems. To discuss your construction project, call 505-345-0755 or visit plucys.com. Albuquerque-based Pluma Construction Systems provides a full suite of commercial construction services and residential remodeling. Pluma Construction is a service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. Visionary Tony Robbins said, setting goals is the first step in turning the into the visible. Whether you are training to run a marathon, starting a new business, or training, you need to be committed to making that vision a reality. Set clear goals. Be determined and purposeful in achieving them. Back it all up with unshakable self-confidence. If you radiate enthusiasm and are truly excited about what you're doing, people will be naturally drawn to you. The other final ingredient is humility. Proverbs 16.9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. In the grand plan of life, if you are spiritually grounded, you will have success because you know who you are and that there is a God and you are not Him. This Leadership Minute was brought to you by Pluma Construction Systems. To discuss your construction project, call 505-345-0755 or visit plucys.com. Albuquerque's Metro Aggression. I am Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, and rockoftalk.chat. If you want to chat it up there with uh, D Dowd Busk every morning at 4 a.m., he'll, he'll sneak into your bed on your phone and uh, scare you. Right? 
<laughs> scare you with truth. Scare you oh, with yeah. truth. Uh, don't forget uh, Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. I didn't say 505 and the 505 yesterday for like first time. I fell out of practice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is it the time of the day? Like everything that happens at a certain time. Don't yeah. forget you can yeah. muscle memory, on, vocal uh, memory. Oh, there we go. Uh, I like that. It just felt different coming out uh, this afternoon. Probably felt different to the listeners as well. Uh, hour two, just for you, right here in the key, the Spotify, Stitcher. SoundCloud, uh, you can download our apps for rockoftalk.tv, rockoftalk.com. Um, so we've taken down one show host, uh, taken down another one. Uh, happy to expose you anytime. Uh, also, uh, for those of you just spoke to another radio station, local radio station owner here, and uh, the first thing he says, you know, Eddie, I was just listening, you know, watch that Chris Ramirez, QB Channel 4. He says that he also wants to know where Tim Keller lives. He'd also like to know where Manny Gonzalez lives uh, as well. So uh, just a little something there for uh, each and every one of you Fair in play. this uh, Fair post play. Uh, COVID world. So I'd really like to, to know where Tim Keller lives. I think that would be good. Uh, we have raised, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you guys are uh, tremendous. Thanks uh, for doing that uh, through the first hour of the show. Uh, more than $2,069.70. Uh, actually, $2,070. So thanks for doing that for the first hour. If you want to fight for the 505, you know nobody will fight harder than me. Uh, I will um, say all the things that uh, you hope or wish that you could say if you're using this mic here, uh, right here in the Kiva. And uh, we are pleased uh, to be doing the show now for its seventh year. I forgot how long I've been doing this uh, and how long I've been doing it. And glad uh, 184 donors uh, on top of our uh, take. Actually, uh, 192 donors is what the actual take is. You can also mail checks into the uh, station uh, right here in the Kiva, registered officially as the uh, quote-unquote campaign office. Uh, that is uh, 2309 Renard Place, Suite 204, um, <laughs> Albuquerque, New Mexico, 87106. If you go to Fight for 505, you can see everything there. Uh, I've been working with uh, several uh, other people who haven't been able to get through. If you have a, a Brave browser, just remove, you got to remove the shield just for that uh, period, because it's a very secure, very, very secure site. So it'll take that. If you can spare $5, $50, whatever you got, uh, every little bit helps. And uh, we have already placed all of our orders for all of the important things to get our um, crew out there on the streets and make things happen. Big launch party by invitation only. You will have to be a volunteer for that. Um, At 6 o'clock this evening, I'm going to find out more details, uh, but... Let me sort of just uh, tease you a little bit with uh, some of the details of that. It will be at Republican Party of New Mexico headquarters. That'll be next Thursday night. We'll have a uh, pre-record and some live fill-ins. Maybe Jay Bird will be here and uh, turning this thing on. Um, but it's uh, pretty exciting because we're going to be out there uh, making sure that uh, we reach all of our volunteers and the people who are going to be out there with us. We've organized the city uh, with the data. Um, we are... Very excited about uh, pounding the pavement and getting the name out and getting our, our word out on our campaign to change uh, this city. Uh, I've met, as I told you, in hour number one with Jessica Dyer, so very happy to get uh, all that information uh, out there with Jessica. And I've accepted every invitation to debate. If people haven't heard of me, uh, please go ahead and tr- direct them to the radio station from 4 to 7 uh, during my time uh, right here in the Kiva with uh, D. Dowd Muska. Uh, a.k.a. the Rock of Talk. All right, let me jump in. Uh, Eddie, uh, by the way, you were mentioned uh, a lot of times today when Jim started spouting off. I thought you needed to know. Did they have a poll or something? I thought they had a poll. Let me know. Uh, Eddie, Jim Lanucci is truly a whack job. I know. <laughs> I dated him twice, and I saw him at a store recently. Lord, he looked like a fat slob. <laughs> Sorry, just true. 
I, I just read the text as they come in, folks. Uh, Eddie, I'm crazy to the both of you. In doubt, and the government is not paying me any sums of money. If you have a link, please forward to me. Okay. Hashtag crazy libertarian. I'll get that link to the uh, free Fed Bucks if you're crazy link. I'll get that out in the show notes. Does that work? <laughs> that would be great. Is there an actual link? Is you're that, crazy. That, Here's your subsidy.gov. Uh, okay. That's great. Uh, remember all the stuff the Democrats accuse the Republicans of. They are doing. He at least fesses up to doing this stuff when he accuses you. <laughs> that is good. Uh, Eddie, this is what fighting back looks like. Chicago Public Schools bus drivers quit over vaccine mandate. Now they're trying to hire Uber and Lyft drivers. Hope they are doing background checks. Very funny. Um, the comeuppance. Uh, for Dowd, my grandparents were born from Norway and settled in North Dakota. That's great. Ah, those people. I love Fine those Americans. people up there. Loved your description of North Dakotans. <laughs> yeah, well, they are the hardest working. Uh, this is very interesting. Uh, Google did a Google search. Safest state in the USA. The safest states in America, Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire. States with the highest percentages of white Americans. Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire. <laughs> it's just facts, I guess. I don't know. I just read the text as they come through. Local doctor fights back and prescribes ivermectin. He must believe in providing health care and helping his patients. Dal, let's get to that story. Uh, it's the uh, it's the story where KOB Channel 4 uh, essentially tries to yeah. scare the doctors out of the market. Uh, one of the things that I did answer is, uh, in terms of our economic development, is that would attract more doctors, and I actually state exactly how to do that. Uh, we need as many doctors as we possibly can. Thanks to all of our fans, uh, by the way, on Fight for 505 on the Telegram. You guys are absolutely awesome. Uh, those are our workers. That's our army, and they're out there uh, working hard and having fun on the show and listening to other shows as well. So what do they do to this poor doctor? Dad? Well, I'm, let me set the stage first uh, on this notion of demonizing particular drugs or treatments. Um, I've been listening to Dr. Drew, David Drew Pinsky, who's a broadcasting partner of Adam Carolla. I'm a big fan of Adam Carolla. Dr. Drew's been a doctor for probably 35 or 40 years, and he's an actual MD. He's not a fake doctor, or as Adam likes to say, I love doctor, just because he's famous and something of a celebrity. He's a real doctor. He still sees some patients. He's, for weeks now, he's been talking about the media, cancel culture, potentially even government intervention in the physician- patient relationship. And I think that's really what we're seeing here with this demonization of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. I will lay out from the beginning, I am not a medical professional. Don't listen to anything I say about this. I'm not endorsing ivermectin. I'm not demonizing ivermectin. Uh, none of this. But my focus uh, for the last few weeks, just listening to Dr. Drew, has been the, the foundation of the, the relationship between the physician and the patient is that kind of trust in, in going to someone who knows more about the subject than you do and trusting them. And, of course, we even have the option in, in America, at least, we don't have single payer quite yet, of going out and getting a second or third opinion uh, for your treatment for whatever's going wrong with you. So I'm very attuned to this. And so when this story went to up, uh, I guess I saw it last night, and, again, this is the KOB, I believe. Is that is that the uh, NBC or this? Uh, yeah, NBC. NBC affiliate. Yeah, I know you don't watch here in Here in Albuquerque, I don't. I, I try to watch as little local news as I can, but I, I do check them out online when they post their stories. Here's how it begins, and I believe this is by uh, reporter Tommy Lopez. An Albuquerque primary care provider is prescribing ivermectin to prevent patients from becoming infected with COVID-19 amid warnings from top, top U.S. health officials. And we know how great our top U.S. health officials have been the last two years. They've gotten everything right about COVID, uh, about the drug, which is not approved for any viral infection. All right, now, before we proceed to that, uh, because I've been listening to Dr. Drew complain about this 
interference in the physician-patient relationship. I did a little digging this morning on the federal government health websites. This is the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, their own words. This is pre-RONA, so I don't know that they're going to change this because we've seen a lot of little bit of revision of history in the Rona era of things that they were saying before Rona and now during Rona, they're changing their minds and, and shutting down websites. This is an FDA website talking about this issue of off-label drugs. From the FDA perspective, once the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, approves a drug, healthcare providers generally may prescribe the drug for an unapproved use when they judge that it is medically appropriate for the patient. When in their professional opinion, in their experience, drawing on their education, their knowledge, uh, uh, patients they've treated with similar conditions before, they can use off-label medications. This is the FDA. I stole the text from this online, so if they try to take it down, this I've got a, a copy this, of it. This is a really good report. Yeah. and the It's them on them. It, it, they're yeah. telling us what they're doing. Yes, yes. I mean, like, so, okay, so let me just diffuse everything by stating that this is directly from the FDA website. Yes. They are telling you how it works in terms of the FDA approval. Yep. The most recent approval actually doesn't pass muster for their own approval process. Is that fair? Yeah, I think I think is that, is that fair. Yeah, I mean they haven't they're they're making yeah, it's it's tough. They've put some things about you you're not a horse, don't take this. Uh, okay, I, I don't think I don't think I would take this stuff on my own. We're talking about the doctor patient relationship. This doctor, and his name is uh, Kaufman, I believe, uh, Kaufman, Southwest Integrative Health Center, a source, we're going back to the story here from Tommy Lopez, KOB, a source showed KOB4 reporter Tommy Lopez a message that a patient allegedly, they haven't even confirmed it apparently, received last week, which says a quote-unquote protocol can help prevent COVID-19 and that it, quote, includes a prescription for ivermectin. ivermectin. It says, please contact your PCP, primary care provider, for the prescription of ivermectin. Okay. Hello. <laughs> this is a local so-called news source <laughs> basically ratting out a doctor patient communication. And you know, how many thousands of those happen every day this, in this New Mexico? A, this is a HIPAA violation. Well, they don't give you, they don't give you the name, but well, they, they might, close. you know, they, exactly. And is, do you want your media digging up, what medical advice and what prescriptions are being written by medical professionals to their patients because bad orange man mentioned the name of that medication when he used to be president? This is, this is the, this is the country we're living in right now. Now the report continues. KOB spoke over the phone with the owner of the Southwest Integrative Health Center located in the northeast part of Albuquerque. Dr. Aaron Kaufman says he's prescribed ivermectin. Ooh, sin, sin. Uh, but the message came from another provider at the clinic. Kind of confusing okay, uh, so, writing so, there. Well, well, I think that's also a violation. I don't know that doctor can uh, on doctor can necessarily uh, be involved in each other's cases without them working in conjunction or the same patient working with them. Yeah. So, well, and is HIPAA extend to the the provider as well as the I patient? Think, I mean, I would, I would think here's the would. provider being ratted out for allegedly doing something wrong. Uh, according to the doctor, there is nothing wrong with the drug, and he disagrees the Food and Drug Administration and CDC's warnings, again, back to Dr. Drew, in your professional judgment, you should be free to prescribe whatever you want. Your patient can be free to never fill that prescription. Your patient can be free to go to a second, third, fourth uh, opinion if they want to. That's kind of how medicine used to work in this state. Now, we're going to get to the uh, Dr. Dizzy Denise here from Presbyterian. Uh, another local doctor told us no one should use ivermectin for COVID. 
Well, okay, Dr. Denise Gonzalez, have you ever prescribed an off-label drug in your entire career? Should we be going back and digging up your history of prescribing I think, medications? I, 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 if, if that's available to Tommy Lopez, certainly her prescriptions are available to Dowd Muska. All right, so, um, and I'm not so sure that we can, uh, given her position uh, there and being an expert, as quoted by the news, that you couldn't probably have an IPRA for going on record for something. Is that fair? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, okay, so let me, let, me, let me go to, let's just Google real quick, and then we're going to get back to the story, because we have to carry or understand the impact or the weight of the story. Why is this story important? Um, what does it tell us about the nature of medical prescriptions? What does it tell us about what availability of something that was certainly available all the time? You probably didn't know ivermectin prior to COVID-19. Or, People yeah. could prescribe it all the time. Suddenly, it's become something that um, has you know stopped altogether. So, okay, so I'm going to do a few stories here. If you do a Google search for who can prescribe ivermectin, which is the most popular search engine there is, first story, and not because it's local, KOB Channel 4, local physician prescribing ivermectin drug unapproved for COVID. So this tells you right then and there that this is a front of sort of a launching point, the Albuquerque market, to create their war on ivermectin. Mm -hmm. This is uh, how much uh, cooperation there is between the media and the government. A second one is Ohio judge orders hospital give ivermectin to COVID patient. That was 54 minutes ago. Ohio judge ordering hospital to give. Now, if you were just insulated in this marketplace, you would never know that that story is out there. Uh, third one, what is ivermectin? Fourth, state health experts lament ivermectin being prescribed. That is uh, out of WLBT. Uh, that was more than a week ago. Uh, CD Dispatch says ivermectin sales surge at pharmacies, feed stores, despite uh, doctor under investigation for prescribing ivermectin thousands of times for COVID-19. Ivermectin demand drives some pro-Trump telemedicine. What, do you see where, what direction we're going in here? Mm -hmm. So what they're trying to do is create a bit of a ground zero uh, on ivermectin here, almost as a test market, and then using the FDA, which they're not obeying, like totally disobeying, uh, based upon a, a drug that was prescribed prior to COVID. So as I'm looking at this FDA approval, and I'm seeing Dr. Denise Gonzalez, the medical director at Presbyterian Hospital, we're finding conflicting uh, information. We're seeing doctors uh, who are getting criminalized. And I think the doctor, Mr. Kaufman, probably will have a lawsuit on his hands. I was thinking that, too. Uh, I think he can go ahead and no, he can sue Presbyterian Hospital. You're basically saying Remember, you, you, you're a bad doctor. You're killing people in, in a public mechanism here, a, a network affiliated news station. I, I think you should be talking to lawyers about well, this. I think Southwest Integrative Health Center should file a lawsuit against Presbyterian Hospital and Dr. Aaron Kaufman should name publicly, uh, and I don't think they thought about this. They were just looking for a story to create. Exactly. They should, exactly. they should sue Dr. Denise Gonzalez, the medical director of Presbyterian Healthcare, and there is nothing that would prevent, and certainly not a governor, governor's order, that would prevent what a doctor, isn't a doctor up here, sort of like a sheriff over a governor, right? Isn't a doctor up here? So I think you would say right there. So I think you've got... Uh, some opportunity to fight back. We'll see if the Southwest uh, Clinic does. Uh, it's really, truly amazing, Eddie, and I thank you for bringing this attention to me, uh, the story in Ohio. What's going on in Ohio? Just a few minutes ago, the this is a suburban Cincinnati. Uh, her, a woman whose husband has been on a ventilator at, in a hospital won a court order just minutes ago from the hospital to treat her husband's uh, coronavirus infection with an anti-parasitic treatment. Uh, that's ivermectin. But what's going on here is her physician or their physician, Dr. Fred 
Wagshul, uh, W-A-G-S-H-U-L, I'll put this in the show notes tonight, as a physician in his professional judgment, prescribed 30 milligrams of ivermectin daily for three weeks as a treatment for what's going on with him. This doctor is an Ohio pulmonologist. He's a medical doctor, pulmonologist listed as a frontline COVID-19 care alliance, a nonprofit that takes this uh, medication, ivermectin, as both a preventative and a treatment for COVID-19. Uh, this woman had to go to court because apparently the hospital wouldn't allow this medication to be administered to her husband, even though a board-certified medical doctor, a specialist, a pulmonologist, prescribed this for him. Again, I'll say for the hundredth time, I don't know anything about ivermectin. I'm not saying take it. I'm not saying don't take it. I'm saying the media and now the courts are getting involved in the doctor-patient relationship. This is truly sick. And final note about Dr. Gonzalez, this quote is amazing. We have not learned that ivermectin has any utility for the treatment of COVID. Um, that remains in doubt. It's in debate. And in fact, here she goes, we know that the use of ivermectin in humans at doses you would get at a feed store can be extremely dangerous and can certainly lead to death. Does Dr. Gonzalez know for a fact that Dr. Kaufman was prescribing this yeah, uh, from, that from the feed store at those dosages? Those dosages. No, Doctor, yes. talk to lawyers. Yeah. Because I'm I telling think, you, there's some pit bulls that might be out there that want to take this on. Well, I think they will. Uh, I don't think that there's any question. I mean, if I, if I were an attorney and I knew about uh, anything having to do with medical, medical malpractice, even if you were, you know, representing a, a patient, I think you could certainly see the pants off of Presbyterian uh, healthcare for providing misinformation. And then uh, what is, who does that ultimately benefit? It ultimately benefits their bottom line. Absolutely. The, I mean, I was born in that hospital, a great hospital, uh, but the people who are running it, I think are a little bit too politically motivated. And, you know, as Rand Paul, uh, you know, got charged up, a Republican, of course, from Kentucky said in a town hall last week that the hatred for Donald Trump has made researchers biased against the drug altogether. Yep. Uh, quote unquote, he says, I don't know if it works, but I keep an open mind and uh, doctors should be able to prescribe what they want. Prescriptions for ivermectin have jumped to more than 88,000 a week, up from 3,600 a week pre-pandemic. Uh, and then you have this whole thing where livestock stores have reported an increase in demand. But uh, here's the thing. If the uh, local medical doctors aren't making it available, uh, or excuse me, hospitals are not making it available and preventing it, and you have, what, 60? Was there 60 million doses? Can you see what was warehoused? I think it was like 60 million doses, like they quarantined. I can't find a better word for that. Uh, but warehoused and kept away from the general population. And this was after, remember, ivermectin is something that uh, Donald Trump took. And they're treating it as if something that, uh, anyway, it's just, it's mindless stuff. Uh, love it. Let's go to more of this FDA thing. Uh, let's take a couple of quick phone calls. Caller, you're in the queue. Go ahead very quickly. Going once, going twice. Caller, are you there? No, he's not. Caller, are you there? Oh, okay. So um, from the FDA perspective, once the FDA approves the drug, as you stated, healthcare providers may prescribe a drug for an unapproved use, so outside of the norms, and any doctor can prescribe anything. Um, where is it within the uh, province, the province of, of the Presbyterian to comment on what Southwest uh, Health Clinic, much less Southwest Health Clinic, to tell uh, Presbyterian, what they can. Prescribe. And if professional judgment is out the window now, then I guess we just need an AI algorithm for anybody who's sick, right? Because there's no, there's no trusting, you know, there's no trusting the education, the experience of a medical professional. These are highly trained people. I was saying to Becca the other day, who was in the studio, you're gonna is is the FAA sending instructions to a pi <laughs> to a pilot forty thousand feet in the air who's in maybe turbulence or in a difficult situation, or is that pi has that pilot been entrusted? Given his training, his education, his drug testing, everything else, given his work record, 
uh, or is he trusted as a professional who literally has the lives of people in his hands to handle that plane in the way that is appropriate, given his experience and training? Uh, do we really want to go down this road? It looks like we're going down this road. And the media, instead of exposing this nonsense, at least in one case here, is actively participating in this. Uh, folks, we thought 2020 was bad. I think 2021 oh, yeah. is I, getting worse. I, I, think it, I think it's worse, no doubt about it. Uh, Eddie, think of all the lives that could have been saved by using ivermectin. Dr. Summers treated me and my daughter. We are fine. Uh, Eddie, best info on life-saving products for preventing and treatment of COVID-19. FLCCC Alliance, uh, that is the COVID19criticalcare.com, best source for off-the-table treatment. Uh, thanks, Joanne, for texting that in. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I and all my friends have obtained ivermectin through America's frontline doctors. Good for you. Medical choice. Uh, the ivermectin prescribed to me was for humans, not animals. Here's the funny thing. What we know, the difference between the COVID vaccine, we know nothing about. We have no contents. We have no disclosures, nothing. And they right. may not be sued. Yet ivermectin is being pulled off the shelves, and you know exactly what ivermectin is. Yeah. And, and I what, think hydro- hydroxychloroquine, too, it's been around for something like 50 or plus years, and doctors yeah. have been prescribing it. You know? But it's deadly because that bad orange man mentioned it one time. We made the virus. You use our core despite what might we find, what you might find that works for you because we're slowly poisoning you for the slow and detected deadly disease that will arise between 50 to 60 persons and vaccinated in 20. 2020 through 2022. Wow. Uh, Eddie, there is a human conversation for I'm, I'm ivermectin, not rocket scientists. Not rocket science, excuse me. I'm learning to talk. Those doctors know if they are lying. Okay. Uh, Bob checks in. Uh, don't, don't the patients still have the right to try when it comes to the treatment of healthcare? I believe that. Uh, I've never heard of that before, but I think you can do whatever they are legally able to prescribe to you. Uh, well, that was a the, law that's been passed. Uh, uh, right to try? Uh, right to try. I, think oh, I don't know it. Federal level, too, where people who have fatal diseases can uh, oh, get access to medications that haven't gone through yeah, the, whole, the whole thing. Right. Yeah. yeah, that right has never been revoked since it was uh, re-enacted. Uh, Mike, go ahead and call in. I heard Pfizer Vax approved, but it's not the same one that's being distributed. Could be a... Uh, Okay, so here we go. This is all on Ivermectin. You can go to c19ivermectin.com. c19ivermectin.com. Um, let's see. For the record, we are not encouraging people to consume this. We're talking about We're the talking doctor-patient about the relationship and the, 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 the trained professional. Would you rather have Tommy Lopez of KOB tell you what you need to fight the Rona, or would you rather have Dr. Summers advising you on what you should be taking to fight the Rona. I think it's Tommy easy. Lopez. I think it takes three Tommies to make one Dr. Summers. By the way. <laughs> um, Ivermectin for COVID-19, 63 trials, 613 scientists, 26,309 patients, 31 randomized control trials, 86 uh, improvement in 14 prophylactic trials, 72% improvement in 27 early treatment trials, 40% improvement in 22 late treatment trials. Wow. Uh, 58% improvement in 25 mortality results. Okay. Wow, 58% improvement in 31 randomized controlled trials. (laughs) Seems proven to me. Uh, Eddie Strawman, horse meds, same as people, taking medicine without the doctor, not the same as doc prescribing dosage, right, for human body weight, not horse, obviously. Yep. You know, I mean, those are, they're big big animals, folks. Uh, Eddie, they get big beans for sticking you to a ventilator and killing your white supremacist butt. (laughs) It's a joke, of course. It's I'm the only white supremacist in this studio. It yeah. uh, has to be less than 88% to quality. Bit of history. Prozac was originally developed to be an appetite suppressor. Oh. Off-label use showed it was effective for depression. This seems to be a common approach by drug companies to collect data on drugs. And I believe the blue pill was originally something to deal with the heart 
heart condition. And then really? men started reporting uh, benefic- benefits in other ways in their lives. Yeah, I'll look up the, the number of people yeah. I've heard that that take that stuff. Let me. Can I tell a little little healthcare thing? The number of people who have burst heart valves after continually taking that stuff. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's big, and I, they haven't connected that yet. But have you have you heard of people? A lot of men, especially military men, they get uh, burst heart valves. Oh, have you heard that lately? Interesting. Yeah, I would look that up. Uh, I have a, a dead on on that. Uh, Lionel just mandated the COVID nineteen gene therapy. Oh, uh, there you go <laughs> for lab employees. Don't take it. Uh, it was originally synthesized Unless to treat hypertension. Uh, it's called sildenafil, the chemical name for Viagra. Uh, hypertension. It was originally synthesized and studied. To treat hypertension. Hmm. Hypertension. That's weird. That's the thing that I think it would give you hypertension. Yeah. Jimmy V has always been a liberal, according to P T P P F, whatever that is. That's uh, Jim Villanucci. Um, Tommy Lopez is a third-rate hack who could be sued for a HIPAA violation on this. You might want to check into that. Go hmm. for it. Um, let's see. Story of the mysterious white 727 that appeared in Kabul after the bombing of Abbey Gate. Uh, so there's something called the um, do you know that the, the uh, I think it's the Janus planes or just another. Right. Yeah. You know, those, you know, all those, what those the are. The doomsday right? planes. Yeah, right? yeah. So those are, there's seven of them. I used to watch them take over. I think those are 727s. Uh, just uh, Janus planes, I think. Uh, area 51. I'm almost positive. Those are yeah, Janet. Just another, Janet, you're right. You're yeah, right. Janet. Yep. Okay, so they are, Janet's are, there's 11 of them now. Yep. Let's see. Let's when we see. drove into Vegas a week ago, I was looking at the airport, looking for the for the Area 51 plane with the red stripe. Yeah, there's. Yeah. Now, you can take the bus, but I think the bus. There up, they are. They have seven, blacked out windows. They're the plane. white, those are the white planes oh, that are <laughs> likely probably over there. Uh, I'm not even kidding. Um, they don't have any tail numbers or anything, by the way, folks. They just fly. They fly in, fly out. They take off. Um, people show up at McCarran Airport early in the morning, and they come back late at the, late at night for a 25-minute uh, roundabout uh, to and fro. So that's what they get on. Uh, at E, local doctor fights back, prescribes ivermectin. There it is. There's the uh, Tommy Lopez report. A couple more really quick. I, mean, I can't get through everything. COVID shots don't work. My friends are in hospital with COVID. Both are fully vaccinated. Uh, at E, awkward, where ivermectin is liberally dispensed as a anti-parasitic, the corona never happened, despite a normal... Wow. i got to send this to you. Despite enormous population densities, uh, cities, etc., and the fact that people go potty in their drinking water, they did not get... That is we... Oh, my God. If that's true, I'm looking at this. Use of ivermectin as anti-parasitic. Yes, no, unknown. Um, where it was yes, this is all like the Congo, Cameroon, Chad, Sudan, Ethiopia. Uh, let's see, Angola... Wow. And they never, you know, that's actually occurred to me several times. You're sort of always wondering, like in the developed world, where they only have like one or 2% COVID tests, sure. why they don't have these COVID outbreaks out there. Oh, yeah. And someone uh, figure that out. I think we may just uh, have done that. All right. Back after a quick break uh, here in the Kiva on AM6. And what was the guy's name? Mr. Kaufman? Uh, Dr. Kaufman, yes. Dr. Kaufman. I knew it was something like that. The name that. of the facility, uh, I will get it for you one second. It's the Southwest. Uh, Integrative Health Center. Southwest Integrative Health Center. Maybe they're going to be a little bit richer after suing Presbyterian. Uh, debate is up during the third hour. I've got to head to a meeting for RPM, so I'll be doing that. So, third hour debate uh, that's up next. Uh, but we're going to check in with uh, Murder Mike and get to a few more stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
play Twister, let's play Rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see you in heaven if you make Rogers Plumbing and Heating, family-owned and operated since 1973, for all your plumbing needs. Reaching Albuquerque, Baylor, Moriarty, Santa Fe, New Laguna, Pueblo, and anywhere in between. Rogers Plumbing and Heating is not only fast and reliable service, being family-owned and operated since 1973 means they always put their customers first and hold each of their employees to the highest moral, professional, and ethical standards. So when you need a fix without the crack, call Rogers Plumbing and Heating at 243-9703. Bad credit? Need it fixed? At Credit Rescue, Inc., our services have been used by mortgage companies, banks, and auto dealerships to help people who have been turned down for credit. Don't spend the next 7 to 10 years as a victim of high interest. Remember, knowledge is power, and you now have a way to get back your credit worthiness. Bad credit can haunt people for years. Let's rescue your credit at Credit Rescue, Inc. Call me, Mike Ramos, to set up an appointment today at 505-899-1448. That's 899-1448. Music is the great communicator on MakeUsGodlyAgain.com. Sometimes we just need a pick-me-up. MakeUsGodlyAgain.com. Maintaining your cutting equipment is essential to the longevity of your tools and the quality of your product. Whether you're a woodworking professional, metalworking professional, hobbyist, or you just need a new edge on your kitchen knives or gardening tools, trust the sharpening experts at Precision Sharpening to help keep your tools in excellent condition. 884-8229, 884-8229. Don't get caught unprepared to defend yourself. I'm Keith Cope with VigilantFirearms.com. We provide calm, safe, and effective training for concealed carry or any other gun training classes. VigilantFirearms.com, 312-0065. 312-0065. Chris Napier here with Loan Depot, the mortgage guy. As you look for the best ways to provide and protect for your family, the structure of your loans is critical. Your mortgage payment and its terms could be behind the curve. Let's ensure that when you're buying or refinancing your home, you have the best total cost. Call me at 505-710-2499 and MLS number 330093. 
Hi, I'm Walt Arnold with Sperry Van Ness Commercial Real Estate. Are you currently leasing but have always wanted to own a building? Looking to take advantage of all-time historically low interest rates? Call my direct line now at 256-1255 or visit waltarnold.com. Alarms are ignored, kill switches are easily detected and reconnected, RFIDs are hacked using a basic code grabber, and GPS tracking systems, well, they're good at locating your vehicle after it's been taken. Give us a call, 505-550-4994. Amazing Grace Personal Care Services is companion care at a reasonable rate, including mobile assistance, meal preparation, household services, cognitive assistance, and support services, and more. 505-796-4900. That's 505-796-4900. Here in the Kiva, Nita Musk and I just hanging out. We appreciate uh, you very much uh, being here in the Kiva. We've got uh, Murder Mike, I believe. Before we get to Murder Mike, uh, we're going to take one quick phone call. Call here in the Kiva. Oh, I hung up on. I don't know what's going on. It's the uh, the fingers uh, today. Chicanery out there. Chicanery. Chicanery. Uh, Murder Chicanery. Mike, how are you, sir? I am doing pretty good. I want to, uh, first of all, you know, you got down. I got my buddy Ken Sanchez, and he went on vacation last week to New York. So for a week, I was writing my own script, and I'm telling you, I'm sure I'm glad he's back. <laughs> it's, it's start, it was starting to look like A's and zeros. But anyway, so Kenny, thanks, man, for being there. So now, now what we'll start with is the victims from last weekend's most recent homicides have been positively identified. The victim from the homicide that occurred Friday, August 27th, has been positively identified as 53-year-old Samuel Adviento, A-D-V-I-E-N-T-O. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right or not, Eddie. Uh, and homicide occurred early Saturday morning in the 500 block of Tennessee Northeast. That victim has been identified as 16-year-old Gabriel Garcia. Now, the suspicious death that occurred on July 16th on Indian School in Wandabo area is no longer being investigated as a homicide. OMI determined that the cause of death was a heart attack induced by a methamphetamine overdose. And, of course, on a lighter note, the 97th annual burnings of the Zobra is coming this Friday. So, everybody, that'll help speed things up. Statistic-wise, <laughs> okay. No. Uh, aggravated assaults, we have right. six. Intoxicated persons, only six. Drug overdoses, two. One was a nine echo that was uh, converted. Stolen vehicles, six. Residential burglaries, only one. Shots fired, three, and that included one that shots fired at a Santa Fe County deputy. He was patrolling the, the highway there between Edgewood and uh, Santa Fe. <laughs> an indecent exposure. There was a naked man exposing himself downtown in downtown Albuquerque. Uh, he was quickly picked up, and that, that's the bare facts on that one. A and great, that was, a great advertising, huh? That's what you said he was quickly picked up, sorry. Downtown redevelopment. <clears throat> Economic incentives. <laughs> oh, I thought I had them all. Okay, vandalism, there was two. 
And one suspicious situation reported last night is that residents came home and found the front door and the garage door open and heard suspicious noises inside. And one fight in progress. And that I'm including now, I'm only reporting fight in progress as if it's more than six or more, if it's six or more subjects and they happen to be armed. So, hey, that's a quick look at uh, kind of what happened in the, in the following uh, last night, the 411 and the 505. Back to you, there sir. There you go. All right. Good work. Uh, Murder Mike is uh, on it and uh, very quick. We've got a good uh, little report and uh, happy to report no homicides. We remain at 89 last night, and uh, that is where we'll leave it. Uh, Caller, you're in the queue. Go ahead. Hi, it is Kiran. Did you say Flan? Kiran. Oh, Kiran, how are you, sir? How are you? Good, good. I just wanted to point out that for that community, um, it's it, it comes down to a labeling issue with the FDA, right? Okay. So the Pfizer shot, BioNTech, or whatever, is under one label right now. Comirnaty is a separate label and isn't even out yet. So all these um, mandates that are coming about, everybody's going to have to take the shot. You're going to have to take the, They can't even take the shot because the FDA, Pfizer hasn't started producing that yet. And they can't just convert over you know, everything that's in stock to the new commodity FDA label. That doesn't come out until they start um, producing it. All right. Dowd, I'll let you uh, comment on Kieran. He's one of our, uh, I think, most adept uh, listeners out there. Your well, I mean, you can put the lipstick on a pig, right? I'm still not taking it. <laughs> even with the full. No, I think, no, Eddie, no, you no, made no, that it, point to yeah, people who've been calling uh, it. I think he's pointing out, yeah. uh, you know, the sort of the nuance that. from gene therapy to a full-blown uh, vaccination. There's a reason why this is called gene therapy, because we think of Moderna uh, modifying your RNA, which is the only reason why we call it that. Otherwise, it would just be a shot that doesn't work. Um, but, you know, we only captured, and to correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, please, because I need your help. But I believe that we only captured 30 to 40 parts of the coronavirus, despite the number of patients who have been infected. So it would be impossible for us to develop a vaccine the original coronavirus, not the variants, the original coronavirus, uh, because we didn't capture 30 to 40,000 parts. Can you shed any more light on that? And what do you know? Um, my understanding is, is that similar, that they took the, the endpoints and the gene sequence for those spikes and then just filled the center in with what they already knew about coronavirus gene sequences for the spike. And they said, well, we think this is good. And that's part of the reason why you know, you're able to see coronavirus in anybody when they run the PCR test, right? Because we all have 
at any given time, you have 200 viruses in your system anyways. They just don't have any effect on your body. You just live with them. So when they when they run that stuff, that's all you're seeing. And then they generate this spike. It's all synthetic anyways. You're not even really seeing like what the true, true, true spike would be. And I think that's part of the issue that you're seeing with uh, the breakthrough stuff is that they're it's so narrow. That spike is so narrow versus, uh, you know, like a, a natural infection. Your system gets to look at all those components, you know, your white blood cells, your T cells run over there, grab it, you know, swallow it up. It gets to look at the whole thing and able, able to generate then the antibodies. Then your T8 and T6 cells can go look at that and say, oh, all right, we understand what, what our market and so when you when you have that narrow spike that's just on the cover of just about every i mean uh, uh dr uh what's his name you even said that as well there's only like a three percent difference between you know what the original coronavirus was and these variants i, I mean at least at that surface level anyways so so they extrapolated it i mean this would be essential this would be essentially sort of like you know, uh, duct taping a uh, wrecked car or uh, an airplane wing or something along those yeah. lines. I mean, that's that's what we're dealing with, and then and then forcing people to get on that airplane with duct tape on its wing. I mean, that, that's yeah. what you're looking at. Is that is that? Do you think that's a fair assessment way to look at this? Yeah, I think so. I think it's like the Johnny Cash song. You got a fifty-five, fifty-six, fifty-seven. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're just they're just pasting because I mean, this CRISPR stuff is all. I got it no, one piece no, at a time. I think we're good. And it didn't we've cost me a dime. COVID over here. We're going <laughs> to just go ahead and uh, just, we're just going to keep wrapping the duct tape all over it. <laughs> Get her done. Yeah. There we go. All well, right. Eddie, this, you know, we hadn't spoken about this stuff. yet, but uh, yeah, I'm sure yeah. will be interested in this. The, this, this just went up yesterday on the uh, website, uh, regard, uh, Scientific American. This is Scientific American's reporting. Science? Is, Israeli you study. Say science? Someone say science? <laughs> Israeli study, the natural immune protection that develops after a SARS CoV 2 infection offers considerably more of a shield against the Delta variant of the pandemic coronavirus than two doses right. of, the, uh, of the Pfizer vaccine, according to a large Israeli study that some scientists wish. Uh, came where they don't try this at home label. Oh, I wonder who those scientists are. Uh, this newly released data show people who once had uh, the infection, the SARS-CoV-2, were much less likely than vaccinated people to get Delta, develop symptoms from it, become hospital and become ho- or become hospitalized with serious COVID-19. Right. There you have it. All right, Kieran, I appreciate you very much. Thanks for all your emails as well. Uh, you are you illuminating us here in the Kiva. Thank you, sir, very uh, much. The one listener who, you know, might be smarter than the two of us. Maybe even put <laughs> together on something. He's very good. Um, okay, so I'm going to read something. Just uh, I read this yesterday uh, during the uh, second hour, and I uh, told these people that I would read it because this is very important. So this is uh, from Sandia National Labs employees, and we ask you to participate uh, this tomorrow and Thursday. Employees of Sandia National Labs and their supporters who seek medical freedom of choice and an end to the governor's illegal and unethical mandates will be distributing flyers with links to contact us, access legal support, connect others in similar situations. So if you're a healthcare uh, a provider as well, this could be for you. Sure. We'll be peacefully assembling in the approaches to the Kirtland Air Force Base over the next few days. We're looking for anyone who would like to find out more and connect with like-minded individuals who are supporting our right to make our own medical decisions. 
Look for us, take a flyer, grab the QR code with your phone as you drive by. Okay, so as you get to Sandia National Labs, take out your phone, get the QR code, um, and with your phone as you drive by. The link will give you an opportunity to leave your contact information and join the group. Remember, this is a, sort of a concealed group. Okay, so, you know, be, be good with this. I'll read this one more time. Join this group, Patriots, in restoring the labs to their former integrity and preeminence. Uh, this is from uh, people at Sandia National Labs uh, who are communicating uh, to me discreetly and uh, letting me get that message out. So we'll say that uh, just one more time uh, before we go. So uh, the uh, Rock of Talk uh, third hour will feature the debates uh, going forward. So we'll have that. Uh, let's get to some other news stories real quick uh, before we uh, jump out. Our healthcare corrections employees complying with the vaccine mandate wow that uh, another hit piece there from krqe uh kob they're just non-stop they are doing the pr i mean why even hire news reporters at this point why not just generate and read anything that the government is telling them to read yeah point? move your uh, your journalism offices right into the governor's offices just integrate both but i mean this is, this is another another local affiliate network affiliate krqe uh, asked three metro area hospitals how many of its employees are vaccinated, how many are exempt from the vaccine mandate, and how many chose not to comply are now out of a job. Uh, Presbyterian reported at least 97% of its workforce is now vaccinated or has uh, met the uh, religious uh, or medical exemption. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I feel for these people in healthcare, Eddie. I'm sure you do as well. I mean, it's... Uh, are you in a position where you can walk away from your job? A lot of people have mortgage payments. A lot of people have kids. And uh, how many people in this country are, are going to get the get the shots for keeping their jobs? And you know, I'm you you I'm a libertarian. Live your life, take it or don't take it. But uh, wow, ninety seven percent. University of New Mexico Health, more than ninety five percent. Let's see, uh, Genesis, the company that owns the most long term care facilities in the state, employing over two thousand people, uh, said some employees didn't comply with the vaccine mandate and were terminated, while a small number received exemptions. When asked, it didn't get, uh, didn't provide specific details. It said 100% of its staff is now vaccinated. So I guess, hey, the Rona's dead in New Mexico, right? I mean, healthcare workers, we have one of the highest vaccination percentages in the country just for the citizenry. It's putting it all behind us, right? Nobody's um, sick, nobody's done. The New Mexico Restaurant Association launching a new hiring campaign. I've got a great idea. I'm going to be posting all of our platform tomorrow. We'll wrap that up and uh, we'll have our palm cards all ready to go as well. Fightfor505.com. And uh, tomorrow will be our last day that we may talk about the mayor's race uh, going forward. We're going to see how uh, the other local stations sort of saddle up uh, to the bar, so to speak, uh, in terms of treating me fairly. And I will certainly agree uh, to uh, treat them fairly. They certainly can request uh, whatever type of access to further legitimize my uh, a uh, failing radio station, <laughs> according to these guys. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you guys are just ridiculous. Uh, you guys are amazing, our listeners, and the other guys that I'm saying are ridiculous, or, you know, competitors and everybody who wishes us, it, you know, it really is unnecessary. All right, let's check on the uh, d donations here in the Kiva. Uh, all you have to do, if you can text me directly, if you can't find Fight for 505, I'll text you all the links. We are. Uh, we need another thirty-seven hundred dollars. Uh, thirty-seven hundred dollars. You guys have done absolutely stellar. Uh, these are all nothing but online uh, petitions. We are uh, getting cl closing in on 
200 donors uh, at this point. Uh, so I'll give you the final tally. Uh, that'll be tomorrow to kick off September. I'm going to issue one newsletter that's going to go out to everybody, tell everybody exactly uh, where we're at. So if you guys can get us over the hump, let me tell you, it would be absolutely uh, amazing and huge if you could uh, go ahead and give what you can. Like I said, $5, $50, $500, whatever you can possibly do. Um, and even if you can't give right now, you can uh, put a little marker and say, hey, you know what, Eddie, the, the, the beginning of the month is coming, about to get paid, and we're going to jump on that, whatever it takes. we got to do what we can to change the uh, 505 and save 505. You guys have been doing it uh, for the beginning. So uh, a tremendous amount of money has already been raised. That's about all I can tell you. And uh, wouldn't it be something if we can get through the next three days that we're going to try it, see if we can surpass $100,000 uh, and do that uh, by Friday. So wow. I think uh, everything is going to be switching to mostly online. We've got our armies out there uh, on every front. Uh, we're armed and ready for battle. Uh, we're battling in the trenches. We've got our teams. Uh, and if you want to join, we have an event uh, next Thursday, volunteers only. Uh, we're going to have about 400 people uh, who are going to be uh, there. And uh, we're going to take care, good care of our people because they're going to be uh, taking this market by storm. Uh, we are doing all this privately. We're well organized. I've done plenty of campaigns. Didn't need to hire a campaign manager. All those resources are going to be committed to boots on the ground and to materials and in terms of a campaign to getting out to every neighborhood. If uh, either the the two gentlemen who are running against me for mayor or for the city of Albuquerque would have done a good job, uh, enough of a good job, I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have been running. Um, if we would have had a Republican uh, who is running, I likely would not have been running. Uh, you, I am what you have earned. And you are, so many of you are so happy to get behind our campaign and what we're doing. Uh, in the less than one week, it is uh, going to be a week uh, Thursday at 4 p.m. since we started our campaign, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to see where we are after one week. And uh, if one week turns into eight, nine weeks, uh, we can't wait to kind of brag about uh, how much money we've raised and what we're going to do with it and how we're going to go ahead and, and save the city. So fightfor505.com, fightfor505.com is where you want to go. The most uh, read articles, Dowd, before we get to the debate. Uh, I'm happy to say that the most read article today on you can get that uh, through our email at rockoftalk.chat was a story of the Silver City Daily Press about a whole bunch of people who turned out to protest mask mandates in our little small community of Silver City down there in the southwest portion of the state. Very happy about that. Uh, second article, most popular American conservatives say no to vaccine passports. Uh, third, the Rio Rancho Observer looking at their school board trying to assert some local control. I think a lot of school boards are interested in that more and more. Uh, the COVID cops came in at number four at the state fair. There's going to be 30 COVID cops uh, enforcing their screening practices by our little thug up in uh, up in Santa Fe up there. And finally, number five, an interesting story from the Federalist moving out into the hinterlands, uh, moving into flyover country. A lot of people who are, are getting away from those coasts, the toxicity of those coasts, a really interesting piece how to do it right, what to look for, what to uh, avoid uh, when you want to move to real America. And boy, could New Mexico potentially be on that list of uh, uh, places that, that are drawing Americans to achieve, they want to accomplish, they want to raise their families, they want to be alone. Sounds so We good. could be on that list if we had different leadership. We could have. We could have taken advantage of this entire, uh, my leadership. I need a point. This could have been a great economic development. Could have. If all yep. we had to do is do everything that everybody else did. Yep. to do, do in this time. Um, I just want to go ahead and read one one little piece, uh, ironically enough, uh, that is featured in Joe Monahan's uh, piece uh, today, uh, this morning. It says, uh, Gonzalez is fighting a two-front war with Keller 
Special radio talk show host Eddie Aragon, the only Republican on the ballot. Thank you for saying that. And who is eating into Gonzalez's uh, conservative Hispanic support. The sheriff's forces are now contemplating legal challenges of Aragon. Well, I think we should contemplate legal challenges uh, to Manny Gonzalez and to see whether or not the highest law enforcement official broke the law, committed mm-hmm. a fourth degree felony. I think that would be uh, interesting, including one concerning his legal residency. Folks, nobody talks city of Albuquerque or has lived more in the city of Albuquerque than me. He's secretly broadcasting from Boise right now. Yeah, 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 right, sure. If you think that I'm not here in Albuquerque, (laughs) swing by the city. uh, Yeah, you are uh, (laughs) nobody's here in front of this mic or doing more than than what I'm doing and more involved in what's happening in Albuquerque. If you ran into me at Chipotle today or wherever you might have seen me or my car, that's totally fine. Uh, And another about the use of his radio station as a financial platform. That's interesting, given that he's using the taxpayers to go ahead and create his financial platform. What could be worse, me me using a radio station that's only on AM or, you know, the uh, sheriff of uh, Bernalillo County deciding to go ahead and beg and plead and cry and scream about uh, making sure that his uh, public money, save it, Manny, uh, crying about the public money. Uh, that you have yet to receive and acting like that you're the victim in this type of case is a terrible way to play this out. People need strength. They need leadership. They don't need people who are whining and you're fighting for nothing uh, and nobody except for the money that uh, you are already receiving from the uh, government itself. Oh, and, and to pay and, that gal and, from California. Yeah, and looking for another $661,000 exactly now to pay for uh, a woman who's advocating for Black Lives Matter and uh, certainly wanted to uh, impeach the president and state that the President Trump was causing a civil war. So we'll see you bright and early tomorrow at 4 p.m. Thanks, everybody, for listening here in the Kiva on AM 1600 KIVA, ABQ.FM. One final look at the uh, money, see where we are. All I want you to do is fight for 505. That's com. one abq.com. That's 1abq.com. We raised $3,850. See you tomorrow at 4. This is the Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque. So in alphabetical order, we have candidate Eddie Aragon. He's the owner of a radio station and a talk show host. Welcome, and how are you doing this evening, sir? Good evening, everybody. Uh, I'm Eddie Aragon. I am the owner of the Rock of Talk, which is an AM radio station here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I'm 11th generation New Mexican. Father hey, of We're going to get to your opening statements in just a okay. sec. I, I, I just wanted to do a sound check. Uh, here. Okay, I didn't know. I thought we'd start right off. Thank you. There, but uh, we'll get back to you in just a sec. Kennedy, Manny Gonzalez is the Bernalillo County Sheriff. Welcome this evening, sir, and how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, and we can hear you just fine. Thank you so much. And finally, candidate Tim Keller is the mayor of Albuquerque. How are you this evening? Good evening. Good to see everybody. All right. Thank you so much, and we can hear you as well. So to start our discussion tonight, we would like each of you to make an opening statement, introducing yourselves and your campaigns. We will do so in alphabetical order uh, one more time before we start switching things up. You each have two minutes, and we will begin with Mr. Aragon. Take it away. Yeah, thank you, uh, Mr. Rice. I appreciate it. Uh, I am Eddie Aragon, as I stated before, 11th generation Mexican. Care deeply, as uh, do all of our candidates, about uh, this great city, which is why we're all running for mayor. And uh, I'm excited about the opportunity. And um, with two uh, of St. Pius X.
uh, a student of both a public and private school and a graduate of the University of New Mexico with degrees in uh, political science and economics. And I got to tell you, uh, looking at the state of our city, the state of our state, but particularly the largest population in the entire state, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, we have suffered. And I know that we are all going through this, uh, both uh, due to the uh, corona pandemic, uh, as well as the lack of economic growth that that is not just brought on, but th- that has been induced uh, even before that lost decade that we have all uh, inherited. I'm just going to make a brief statement about my candidacy and what I'm doing. And uh, we are all about going from failure to first. It's going to take generations. Uh, We're not even an average city at this point. Uh, Albuquerque is a place that I am certainly proud of, but this is a very difficult time to, for many people to go ahead and be proud of Albuquerque because a lot of people are picking up and leaving. You know people, I do as well. We have the five C's that we're focused on in terms of our, and of course, we're running the city of Albuquerque. Uh, The two gentlemen who are my opponents uh, are already doing so, and I'd like the opportunity to express my vision on behalf of the city of Albuquerque. The second C, of course, is crime. That's one of the things, I appreciate that, that one of the things that we have talked about uh, at length, uh, record homicides at 86, commerce, business, as a business person, as a business owner, you've seen that suffer. Uh, and of course, corruption, that has been a huge deal here in the city of Albuquerque. And so when I express my point very simply, the five points, uh, that's what I'm running on here in the city of Albuquerque. Thank you. All right, thank you very much, Mr. Aragon. Mr. Gonzalez, your opening statements, two minutes. Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Sheriff Manuel Gonzalez III. I was born and raised in Albuquerque. Uh, shortly after I graduated from high school, I went to the United States Marine Corps and served there honor- honorably and meritoriously. Uh, I have a beautiful family. Uh, in my upbringing, I was raised to have uh, work hard and, and, uh, and serve people. Uh, through that time, uh, after I came back from the United States Marine Corps, I happened to pursue a career in law, and I've been serving there for 30 years. But I also have the opportunity to spend 20 years, and I'm bringing these two different things I've been very successful in to to the candidacy of mayor. But that's not the way it always was. When I first took office on January 1st, 2015, very demoralized, second rate, uh, very uh, politically polarized department. And also the county was facing a major deficit. But I didn't run away from those challenges. What I did is we did more with less, and I had a vision and a plan for the sheriff's office. More importantly, I have the success of doing that that no other candidate has had, and I want to be able to transfer those skills to those two ma- or those three major things that my platform is about. One being first and foremost is crime, it's homelessness, and the third is jobs in the economy. I think would bode more well for this for the citizens who I put first and not politics, unlike other candidates. I leadership that Albuquerque needs to be successful because take this opportunity for everybody to thrive and we Albuquerque to the crown jewel of the Southwest. Thank you. All right, thank you, Mr. Gonzalez. And a quick note, I've noticed a couple of people in the chat saying that they can only see my face. Zoom feed. Uh, first of all, I apologize for that. You, you, could, you could do better on this Zoom call. Uh, but if any of the other hosts know if that's a problem we can handle or if that's a problem on 
on, on visuals, uh, Zoom. Uh, you've, you've been given an FYI there. All right, uh, we conclude the opening statements with Mr. Keller. You have two minutes. Sir. Thanks so much, Peter, and good evening, everyone. Uh, it's been my honor uh, to serve as your mayor the last four years, and I think folks are pretty familiar with my background, but was born and raised in Albuquerque as well, and uh, I have two young children uh, attending EPS schools. And when I think about four years ago, I asked voters to trust me to lead, and I pledged that we would face our toughest challenges head on, and that we would dig deep and address root causes on crime, homelessness, jobs, and security, and that we wouldn't shy away from tough decisions. And I think we've honored that commitment and respected the magnitude of those challenges with resolve and dedication, not with one-liners and sound bites about how easy it is to address any of this, because none of these are easy problems to fix. Now, last year, COVID-19 pandemic also presented a crisis like no other. And we worked hard to make decisions that save lives and livelihoods and to keep us safe. We're starting to do that again as the pandemic comes back. So we changed our city's approach to policing with the new community safety department. We also continue our commitment to adding resources, whether it's for diversion or whether it's everyday officers on the street. We stepped up and we have put out a vision and purchased the Gateway Center to find meaningful answers for homelessness. And we also know that we have announced thousands of good paying jobs coming to Albuquerque's working families, more than have been announced in the last decade combined. So with revitalized public safety efforts and what we're doing with homelessness and jobs, I believe this is on top of our nationally leading sustainability efforts. And so now is the time to continue going in the right direction, to keep moving forward and hit the accelerator and not move backwards. That's why I'm running for reelect. All right, thank you very much. Uh, question one for the lot of you here tonight is about homelessness, uh, homeless encampments rather, that have become endemic in our area. Uh, they are a problem on several different levels, whether the goal is public safety, clean and walkable environments, appealing parks, a friendly business climate, or indeed a safe place for people without homes to be, the encampments are not helping us get there. What are your plans for dealing with homeless encampments throughout our, our area? And do those, implant, do those plans include the creation of officially sanctioned camps, which are sometimes known as safe outdoor spaces? You have two minutes, and we will begin with Mr. Keller. Thank you for that question, and um, let me make sure I know you guys can hear me. Okay, so I support an all-the-above approach, and I think that's what you need. We have over 5,000 homeless people unsheltered in our streets, and I know that to try and help all of those 5,000 people, you have to do different things based on their unique situation. And so there's several things that we've been doing is, number one, you have to reach out and offer help. And that's why we've been increasing our community outreach officers, and that's part of even the new community safety department that we're building. And eventually, though, we do enforce things like have people camping in areas. And so we do assume that but there's a huge so against this backdrop, though, is, I think, a situation coming out of the pandemic where homelessness is growing everywhere. And that's why what we have to do is we have to provide somewhere where they can go and where people can take them. And that's the idea behind the Gateway Center. The idea is you've got to have somewhere that's open 24-7 where folks can go voluntarily or our service outreach providers can take them and they can get shelter and then they can be triaged 
in terms of do they need behavioral health services? Do they need mental health services? Uh, do they need a housing voucher? Do they need job training? These are the kinds of things that we know we can offer, but we cannot do that until we have this 24-7 center. And that's why I stepped up after the voters approved it and purchased the old Gibson Medical Center so that we could build that facility. And I will tell you, until we have that, we are not going to make a major dent in our unsheltered population. All right, thank you. Mr. Gonzalez, you are next with two minutes. Can you repeat the question just so I'm clear on it? I'm sure homeless encampments have become endemic in our area. Uh, what are your plans for dealing with them? Uh, and do those include officially sanctioned uh, camps, sometimes known as safe outdoor spaces? Okay, thank you for repeating that question. So we live in a checkerboard community, and I just want to make it very clear that this isn't an epidemic. We do the same issue in Bernalillo County in uncreated areas because we have a very robust plan and service to provide help for those people that are in crisis. I don't necessarily uh, label them as people in ho as homeless, but they're people in crisis. I happen to sit on the President's Commission for Homelessness, Mental Illness, and Substance Abuse. And you have to be able to screen these people and provide them with the wraparound services that they need in order to identify their diagnosis on their issues. And so you're going to feel, find out through screening and proactive mobilization of resources to include law enforcement, public health, behavioral health, to screen these people to identify the help they need. Because sometimes some of these individuals are choosing to either ingest, smoke, uh, shoot up, uh, fentanyl, and other illicit drugs in our community. And nobody is enforcing public forces that need to be enforced because literally there's thousands of needles throughout the metro area on a daily basis. And it's a public health issue that nobody's addressed on the state or city level. We will remedy that by staffing and find the services and resources those people need to be successful. All right. Thank you, Mr. Gonzalez. Mr. Aragon, two minutes. Thank you for the uh, question. We have 1,534 people or 84 people that are out on the streets. Uh, we've become a destination and a haven for homeless people. We have catered and coddled uh, homeless people. And I could tell you right now, at, at this point, the approach that we've taken isn't working. Whether it's building tiny houses, 8 of 40, that are actually filled uh, due to the uh, fact that they can't get clean. There are certain requirements to get in. We spend an extreme amount of money, and I know construction pretty well from a small business and uh, the son of a contractor, at $950 a square foot. Housing them and uh, taking these guys on and keeping them here isn't helping us. Uh, you certainly have seen the number of people and temporary homeless uh, people generally find themselves in hotels. We've had 11 murders that have taken place uh, here in hotels here across uh, our, our great city. Unfortunately, as we continue this approach where we uh, set up competition by creating more government solutions for homelessness rather than enable the nonprofit organizations and especially the churches out there who are willing to do anything and everything they possibly can to go ahead and bring them in. Uh, most homeless people, and I will tell you, as the uh, grandson of a, a homeless grandmother uh, who is uh, mentally ill, she did not get satisfied and get taken care of until we brought her in. And one of the things that we need more in our city is more love and more caring. 
churches are a great place for that, uh, not to mention lots of nonprofit uh, organizations. But when the government and our mayor is setting up competition for them, uh, they won't go there. And he's deferred. My great friend, uh, Jeremy Reynolds, had a lot of problems when uh, Mayor Keller decided to go ahead and step in and start competing with them. So we need to help these nonprofit organizations. Uh, to Manny Gonzalez's point, they don't need to be audited. Uh, these are organizations that are willing to take them on. And when people have uh, passion, uh, they can ha- actually have purpose in their life and they need to do that for themselves. And we can certainly aid that, but we can't take on the entirety of that problem. We need to stop bringing them into the city of Albuquerque. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Mr. Aragon. Right, uh, right on time there. Uh, for our next question, I want to first give a quick note of orientation. We will be asking you all about crime as a general topic in a little bit, but right now we'd like to focus on an extremely local criminal justice matter. Uh, because we understand that the city has made a commitment to create a special public safety district in the area around the new homeless facility planned for the Gibson Medical Center property. This would apparently be modeled after the downtown public safety district, which is a group of several officers who work at dedicated beat in the central business area. What is your position on public safety districts generally, and would you support such a district in the 4th Street corridor from roughly Mountain to Manal, where prominent homeless services have been located for years. You have one minute for this question, and we'll begin with Mr. Gonzalez. So that was in reference to the Gateway Center, correct? And and, and special public safety districts uh, around the Gateway Center and, and potentially forth. Sure. Uh, after several conversations, I'm fully aware that the tiny village and there's other uh, facilities that aren't being utilized. I, I think we need to be a lot more aware, a lot more uh, responsible when we're making decisions and spending uh, taxpayers' money uh, when there's other facilities that aren't being adequately used. And so I think the strategy moving forward was to make sure that we develop a plan where you get compliance from the people that choose to live out in the streets versus that. So you have to have a very balanced carrot and a stick approach to getting people the services they need in some of those special districts, and then consider maybe repurposing the uh, the gateway center as not such a good idea until we can fill and not waste taxpaying dollars on facilities. And again, screen those people for their needs and not just recklessly spend money. Thank you. All right, thank you, Mr. Gonzalez. Okay, a public safety district for 4th Street, uh, roughly between Mountain and Manal. Mr. Keller, you have one minute. Sure, well, these uh, public safety districts have been, uh, they were an idea that I had coming in, and I think the downtown one has really shown how helpful they are. So I think they're a very good idea. I believe in going back to that kind of beak, beat cop model, which is similar to community policing. It's just uh, a notion of dedicated officers that get to know their community. And so uh, that gets to know their community. And so I think this is a very good idea. And we should do it as much as we can where uh, resources are available. Uh, I'd like to have them all over the city. I would mention that we have 5,000 homeless people unsheltered on our streets. So there is no you know one particular thing that is going to help them. That's why we need an all the above approach. And you know, I would also mention we already pay nonprofits $20 million to take care of homeless folks, and they are totally maxed out, and they are asking for more help every day. And that's why we've got to do this together as a community. All right. Thank you, Mr. Keller. Mr. Aragon, one minute. 
I, I don't really understand the response there with regard to the public safety uh, measures or the reference to homeless uh, in terms of the nonprofit. I don't know if we're addressing the previous question, but here's what I could tell you is that this approach from Mayor Keller has ceased to work. It has not worked at all. Uh, you've seen a number of my videos that have been on Facebook. We've seen the uh, piling up of the homeless people that has happened downtown. Uh, we're uh, all three of us at this point are almost addressing it as a blight and a level of criminal element. Um, I don't know that anybody can actually uh, establish uh, or any uh, Burqueño here in the city of Albuquerque can say what a uh, public safety uh, zone actually is or what it even means. It has no meaning whatsoever. Uh, the whole idea of the uh, cop on the beat or as we heard from this morning in Alaska's effort, uh, by Mayor Keller to go ahead and put a cop on every corner is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, there's no penalties for the criminals, as we know. It's a judicial system. Uh, it's a uh, you know, be really nice to the criminals. And I got to tell you, Roach has uh, Thank you, sir. Um, we've come to question three, and this will be the individual round where we ask each of you a separate question. Um, and this is, this is, you know, if this is a job interview, then this is the time when we uh, ask about your weaknesses, uh, possibly throwing a little chin music in here while we're at it. We will begin with Mr. Aragon. Okay. Uh, nobody would deny your talent as a communicator, but there is much more to city government than making a concise and entertaining point. So far as we can tell, you have never managed a bureaucracy, never held even a minor elected office, and never been extensively involved with the kind of neighborhood issues that so often serve as a training ground for our future leaders. Shouldn't this lack of experience disqualify you from being mayor of Albuquerque? You have one and a half minutes. Well, if you didn't uh, know anything about the ground, you'd know that I was the number one real estate for transactions in the city of Albuquerque. I mean, city of Northwest Nevada. I was a top performer uh, in terms of NAOP, working with neighborhoods working with commercial real estate developers, working with tenants, working with private businesses. These are the people that are the feet on the streets. Uh, working our bureaucracy is about lead. Manage what we need to lead. I've heard from so many people in the city of Albuquerque who are completely and totally dispirited with the way that they have uh, been trained. I'm a leader. Uh, I don't manage. I uh, teach. I lead giving people ideas and I help people see a vision. Uh, that's what I've always been given, and uh, I can tell you what I've always done, but I can tell you each and every day I address each of these issues on my radio, and I carefully consider the, the solutions that are brought to me. What's happening right now at City Hall? No one's listening. Uh, what's happening uh, in our police departments? No one's listening. Everyone thinks that they come in with this remedy about how they're going to take everything or a, or a formula. It's not about it. We fail to listen to each other, and everybody seems to have the right answer. I never claim I have the right answer, but what I do is I always listen if, uh, to go and make sure that we can execute together. We're all in this together. There's no doubt that my experience, both as a business person in this community, is well established, and I'm willing to go ahead and take the responsibility uh, for the decisions that I make on behalf of the community, which is something that neither of my two opponents have done. Thank you, Mr. Aragon. Next, we go to Mr. Keller. Crime is, of course, top of mind in our city. Homicides are at a record high, and just last week, we saw the horrific shooting at Washington Middle School. Meanwhile, our jail is running below capacity. Drug dealers and thieves seem to be operating with impunity, and calling 911 can sometimes result in spending several minutes on hold. For four years, you have had countless millions of dollars and hundreds of law enforcement officers under your command, 
yet these problems persist and even grow. Shouldn't this state of affairs disqualify you from being mayor of Albuquerque? You have one and a half minutes. Thank you, Peter. Well, there's no doubt crime is our biggest challenge, and it is exactly what I said when I was in this forum four years ago. And so I think the measure of my leadership is how I've been able to deal with that. Number one is I've been able to continue my commitment to hire 100 officers each year. And that's really important because when I came in, the department had been decimated. And so when you talk about some of the outcomes that you outlined, whether it's response times or whether it's what's happening on our streets, a big section of that is because of our lack of resources. Now, unfortunately, we've had lots of retirements, especially coming out of the pandemic. So we still face that backlog. But I also know that you have to address crime at a root cause. And you can't do that with just a talking point, saying you're going to be tough on crime or saying that you want to fix crime. Real leadership means addressing the problem with the respect for how difficult it is. And that means doing things like the Gateway Center to get people behavioral and mental health treatment. It means creating new departments like the Community Safety Department. And it also means continuing our efforts for reform. It is not a choice. And community trust is also what keeps us safer. And we need a mayor who is committed to all of those aspects, not just one thing. And I think that's what my administration has demonstrated. Thank you, Mr. Keller. And finally, to Mr. Gonzalez, city government is all about getting the details right. And yet, two separate investigations have now concluded that members of your campaign including allegedly yourself, submitted fraudulent paperwork as part of an effort to obtain taxpayer-supported campaign financing through the city's clean election system. As sheriff, you swore an oath to, uh, oath to uphold the law. Shouldn't this situation disqualify you from being mayor of Albuquerque? You have one and a half minutes. Thank you for the question. Absolutely not, because ne neither of those complaints have been substantiated. Uh, there's a rule of law we live by. Uh, we trust the process. We're still going through the process. We're still waiting. But here's what's going on. With overwhelming support, why would I need to bother to afford signatures and donations? I could easily get 10 times the number of signatures to qualify. Here's why the incumbent is using his privilege and position of power to disenfranchise a minority candidate from running to replace him because of his political agenda. And so for me, I always put people first. I have an impeccable career in the United States Marine Corps. I have an honorable family. I have an oath to the Constitution. I, my, I pledge my loyalty to the people of this, this community, and I would never breach that. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gonzalez. We will return to questions that each of you gets to field in turn. As mentioned before, crime is, of course, a big problem in Albuquerque, so big that it basically requires no further explanation. Uh, but we want to know what you're going to do to turn things around if given a chance during the next four years. You have two minutes, and we will start with Mr. Keller. Sure. Well, when it comes to crime, I, I think it's important uh, that we continue the things that I mentioned a moment ago. but. Um, you know, I I think one thing that would help crime is, frankly, if the sheriff would just help us with crime. Uh, the situation is, on his watch for the last 12 years, seven years, we've seen the same thing. And crime's just as bad in the county. And so I think we need to work together. And that's why I formed the Metro Crime Initiative. It has every single law enforcement agency in the metro area at the table every two weeks 
coming up with real answers for violent crime. The only person that doesn't show is our sheriff. And here's what we're talking about. We're talking about fixing and adjusting things like how we deal with diversion, but also how we deal with grand juries and with the CMO order, which we can talk about more if people have questions, but how do we stop that revolving door? How do we fund parole officers, which we desperately need? Because the system needs help, not just APD. And it takes a willing to take responsibility for our and that's what I'm not going to point fingers. I'm not going to blame anyone else, but I am going to ask for help because there is no way a single person can do this by themselves. And that's why I'm asking the governor and our legislatures our DA and our AG for help, and they are responding. And so I know for low-level offenders, we've got to bolster diversion programs, but for violent offenders, we have to stop the revolving door. And to do that, you have to work with other people. And I also want to mention that we have a, a large technology investment coming online that's very important. I've invested over $38 million in crime fighting in Albuquerque, and all of those programs, including gunshot detection, are coming online this winter. We are in a much, much better place as a department than we were four years ago. And most importantly, I'm leading our community together to fight crime. And that's what it's going to take to get us out of this very difficult situation. All right. Thank you, Mr. Keller. Mr. Aragon, you are next. You have two minutes. I'm disappointed in the mayor at the very same time that he's saying, uh, you know, we're working together. We're doing what we can. He's uh, bagging on uh, uh, Manny Gonzalez. And there's no way to tell whether or not he is or isn't cooperating. You know what? These guys are playing politics. We need to be focused first on crime. This is everyone's problem, no matter who it is. What I can tell you is I can tell you what I'm going to do. Not going to play politics. I'm not going to let these guys go ahead and fight it out. And who's getting the better thing? I'll reduce category of crime going. Murderers. I mean, how easy is that to do if you just care enough and communicate to enough people? I'm going to force longer detainment of criminals. Jails are empty. There's no bail bondsmen. I'm going to stop making officers do their job over and over. The same criminals every 48 hours. I talk to the APOA three, four times weekly with uh, with uh, uh, Sean. Uh, I'm going to force longer detainment of drivers with THC in their system. That's something that we can actually do because it's a Schedule One drug. You know, remember, politics transcends culture. People need to understand that. Stage officer pay, remove overtime. That's $20 million right now. These guys need to have balanced lives. There's over 160 uh, uh, officers who are making over $100,000. That's crazy in, in a lot of this uh, chief's overtime. I'll have a no settlement policy. It's something we should have got a long time ago with attorneys. We'll have the city of Albuquerque protect its officers. We'll block qualified immunity from being operational uh, here in the city of Albuquerque. I will make that happen. We need to support our police that's job one. We've got to improve the morale of our Albuquerque Police Department. Instead, what you've seen is the outgoing guy, Chief Geyer, and then the incoming guy, Medina. Nobody cares about that drama. While they're fighting and more politics all under Tim's watch, we're sitting here, you know, dealing with the worst uh, crime crisis. I'm going to increase the average salary of APD officers to number one in New Mexico, currently number six. Uh, Tim didn't do that. And I'm going to make every effort to work around the non-cooperation of ICE detainers. I'm going to work with federal agencies behind the scenes to feed them information. Help them crack down on the cartel. Okay, the time expired, Mr. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, this question with Mr. Gonzalez. You have two minutes. Thank you. Crime is the number one problem. It's impacting businesses. It's impacting tourism. It's impacting economic development. We have to wrap our arms around crime and get a handle on it. Nobody has a, a, a more extensive and comprehensive understanding of this. Nobody's more committed and has fought this 
this this crime for longer than us. And first and foremost, nobody's smarter about it. Nobody's collaborated more. And nobody has reached across the aisle more than I have. Even in the attacks politically that I received, even by my own party. But this is my point. I always put people first, not politics. And what we're going to do is we're going to fleece out all the unconstitutional uh, policies that are out there to include sanctuary cities. And we already do cooperate with the federal agencies because nobody has collaborated more and has strategized and has a better relationship, which take decades than I have established with our federal partners. And we are taking people off the streets, the most dangerous. And we're taking off literally hundreds of guns and, and tons of, of drugs and breaking up criminal networks, cartels, gangs, all these that we don't bolster about, but we do it in the city because that's where the problem lies. We've mitigated crime and we have fought crime in the, in the county. We've mitigated to the point where we've been able to jump in and help the city out because people are begging us in the city because the crime's so bad and we've gone to the most marginalized areas, not to the places that would benefit anybody politically, but what was right for the people. And I'll continue to do the same as a mayor. Thank you, Mr. Gonzalez. And now let us turn to other uh, hopefully less grim matters. As you all know, the city of Albuquerque provides a wide variety of public services and programs for everything from airports to roads to community centers and even a zoo. Please tell us about three priorities you have for improving city government that have nothing to do with crime or homelessness. You have two minutes and we will begin with Mr. Aragon. How about just removing art for starters? It's a bad idea. Um, and we've seen that commerce, uh, first and foremost. I think we need to go ahead and evaluate what the cost would be rather than uh, be told the propaganda. Uh, that has absolutely been, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Gonzalez talks about the crown jewel. I remember growing up on Knob Hill. I remember going to the pit. I remember going to all these places uh, where we'd go back and forth. The art has absolutely decimated businesses. And I think the costs of that uh, do not outweigh the benefits of uh, raising the uh, the big flag of Knob Hill and downtown and uh, opening things up. Uh, this newfangled thing that they've uh, tried to establish uh, with the uh, Albuquerque Rabbit Transit and $120 million, um, that, that's uh, first and foremost. We've got to look at that. We've got to get rid of that and open things back up. Second, I mean, and this is a huge one, uh, no more public-private partnerships. You know, that's taxpayer money. There's so many things that we could be using that money for, yet we go ahead and we want to hand it to uh, the owner of a soccer team. Or we want to hand it to Netflix or hand it to those. Uh, no one's done a cost-benefit analysis of what's happening uh, in terms of the economic benefit for the city of Albuquerque. Certainly, we have seen all that uh, everywhere. But a big thing that we could really do is do the third thing, is reuse that for to create better venues. We are a absolute destination. People love the weather, both in the spring and in the fall. And when they come, they want to see great things, not just the balloon fiesta, the music festivals. Um, you know, I'm the rock of talk. You've got the metal mayor. What are the things that we haven't done is really utilize what we have as a city. Our occupancies uh, there at the convention center and the other places, they're lower than 30 percent. That's job one. You've got to make that pitch and bring in more money with more things that people want to see. Remember, we have a lot of rural areas around the uh, around Albuquerque. Why not attract people to the city of Albuquerque uh, throughout the rest of the state by really uh, pushing that for more? More live venues, live opportunities here in the and not spending seventy million. Thank you. 
Thank you, uh, Mr. Aragon. Uh, Mr. Gonzalez, your next uh, three priorities for city government that have to do with crime or homelessness. You have two minutes. Absolutely. But first and foremost, outside the mayor's office, I would replace a lot of the political appointees that have high salaries with competent professionals that understand the role of government and understand the direction and the positive direction that Albuquerque deserves. I would create to provide this that the people are in any department. So I would increase sales, especially on the business side with inspectors, licensing, and, and then I would also evaluate all the policies that make it so difficult for people to do business or develop a, a uh, subdivision. I would review all those type of things aside from it and then use the money when we audit certain programs and find to beautify the city because the state of the city from what is in the worst condition it's ever been in the history of Albuquerque. That's gotten worse and to get worse over the last several years. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gonzalez. Uh, Mr. Keller, to close this question, you have two minutes. All right, well, thank you. And I, I think um, I wanna honor this question the same way uh, Eddie did with some talk about the future and the vision. Uh, but look, I, I just have to say, the city is not in the worst condition it's ever been in. Anyone who grew up here in the 90s, uh, and also um, just and the professionals. I mean, it's okay, that's fine. But uh, Lawrence Rail, Sarita Nair, we have incredible people running the city. And uh, I hope any mayor candidate would uh, continue that tradition. So I think we need uh, more families and kids. This is something that the pandemic in a way, but I want to make sure that literally every single person in Albuquerque knows what they can do after school and on the weekend and during the summer with their kids, or in some cases without their kids because maybe they have to work or do other things. And we do that now for about half the kids in Albuquerque, but I want to do it for every single kid. The second thing I want to do is uh, I do think we need to lean in and finish the gateway. And I will tell you that I'm just telling you, we can't actually fix a lot of these other problems until we commit as a city, regardless of who's mayor, to actually delivering services. And that's just a building to do it in. We've got to do that. The second thing is the stadium is a good debate. You know, my vision of the stadium is another isotope stadium. It will bring people from other areas, as Eddie mentioned. It can be a way to facilitate arts and culture when there isn't a game going on. I view it as a giant outdoor museum and performance space. And I think the city, I know the city will own it. So uh, it's just going to rent it for their game. And so I do think that that's a, uh, a pride point in Southwest region. All right, thank you, Mr. Keller, and stay on. You're coming up next uh, for the for first for the next question, rather, uh, which is about the pandemic. COVID-19 is, of course, a global problem, uh, and much of the public policy surrounding it is managed out of Washington and Santa Fe. Still, what role, if any, do you think the city has in managing the pandemic? You have one and a half minutes, and Mr. Keller to start. Well, managing the pandemic is a summary of, you know, at least half of everything, if not more, that I've been doing for the last 18 months. 
And Albuquerque took a very different strategy than many cities, and it was a leadership strategy. It said, number one, we are going to do everything we can to help people during the pandemic. So we fought to bolster the safety net, whether it was issues around eviction, whether it was literally uh, supporting small businesses that would have gone out of business, to rolling out 20 million plus in economic development programs that even included artists and entrepreneurs. It also meant pushing out $300 million in capital investment. That's why you see two community centers being built on Route 66. That's why you see a giant library on Route 66. It's why you see cranes up for the first time in many years in our city building things, and you see working families being employed. These were all as a result of actions that we were able to take during the pandemic. But also we kept our parks open. We said we have to have places for our families to go. We kept open space open. And we also enforced the public health order, but we did it with compliance. We said, just do the right thing, follow the law, and you'll be fine. Uh, we didn't punish people. We didn't shame people. We said, we're all in this together. And that's what we're prepared to do again this fall if we need to. Mr. Aragon. Uh, as you know, I've been a uh, huge proponent of uh, medical choice and allowing people to make their own decisions based upon what they choose to do. My body, my choice uh, has applied for other things as the abortion uh, capital of the world uh, versus it doesn't apply when it comes to uh, the injecting yourself uh, with a needle. Uh, there's plenty of people who are vaxxed uh, and they have made that decision to go ahead and do it. It's not an actual vaccination. So these uh, state health orders that come in, our mayor has not stood up uh, to the governor uh, and neither has our uh, our sheriff. I was thrown out of a, a business uh, as they were enfor enforcing mask orders from the Bernalillo County Sheriff's Office. Somebody has to say enough is enough. We've been, quote unquote, leading the bleeding edge of things down. Our local economy has been decimated. We have the highest unemployment rate in the entire country. Uh, Albuquerque itself is not a place for commerce. Uh, at this point, this is what COVID has had on it. But, you know, there is a, a, a public safety component that uh, does have to go ahead and keep people safe. But it also is uh, people's individual responsibility to go ahead and make that decision on their own. We can provide the opportunity. We can you know, certainly provide the opportunity for these people to get tested and vaccinated and everything else. But again, it's their choice and we can enforce certain things that make sense. But none of what we've done for the last 18 months here in the city of Albuquerque uh, has made sense. We have shut down our city. Uh, there was no need to comply with many of those orders that have come down. They have seemed absolutely insane. And, and I, for one, uh, can tell you uh, what an ounce of prevention is much better than what we've been doing with this uh, COVID cure. Thank you. Um, and to close out the question, Mr. Gonzalez, your city's role in managing the pandemic. Well, I, I work for the people. And this is the government of the people. I never have put a political party or political agendas in front of the people's needs. Those are individual rights by each and every person. And so for us, we support those rights. Uh, it's up to parents to decide whether their, their kids need masks. Obviously, in public places, that's another issue. Uh, we didn't uh, get caught up in administrative orders. What was most pressing for people, and we listened to them, and we followed through is was crime and I fought crime and and our staff fought crime smartly to the point where it got the attention of the attorney general of the United States and the president. And they, we needed help and the people needed help. And when they needed help, that's where we delivered it. The pandemic can't have a one size fits all. You need to tailor it for the needs of the people. You can't shut down their businesses. 
where this state is already economically the worst in the country. And why would you infringe on people's rights to open up their private businesses, which were ruled in the Supreme Court, at, to adhere to party politics? You have to put people before politics, and I always will. Thank you, Mr. Gonzalez. Our next question is, if elected, will you retain the chief of police? And if not, who would you appoint? You have one minute. We'll start with Mr. Aragon. Uh, great question. And I want to go back and, and, and say, um, without answering it uh, directly yet, that we have to evaluate. A lot of people would look at a guy like me and say, oh, he's just going to clean house and get rid of everybody. I know lots of people who are for the city of Albuquerque. They're big supporters of me you know, my radio station, what I talk about. And uh, I would want to talk to each and every person, uh, police officers. I have a great relationship with the Albuquerque Police Officers Association, you know, the Economic Development Group, the Planning Group. These are all people that I know. And I can tell you very quickly, uh, I'd want to know what their vision. These people have 10, 15, 20, 30 years invested, people who don't want to retire. They care about what they want to do. So I'd love to sit down with uh, Chief Medina and I'd first want to understand, oh, what has he learned in his long time with the Albuquerque Police Department before just dismissing him outright? We're going to approach everybody as if they care about the city of Albuquerque. We're going to understand their vision. They'll hear my vision. And together, we're going to come up with a solution. But as it currently stands, given the drama between Medina and Geyer, I would probably Mr. have Aragon, leave. Time is expired. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Gonzalez, you are next. One minute. Yes, in, in my current understanding of the way they've organized the structure of the mayor's office to the police chief, there's another person in between, which is the CEO of the city. Not only would I replace the chief of police, but also would replace that person that's in charge, because those are the exact issues that over-politicize a police department, which is supposed to be the neutral body of the government to provide the services that protect people's most sacred things, those are three things, their rights, their lives, and their property. And there can be no, there has to be a direct accountability from the chief to the mayor, and that would be done day one. Thank you, Mr. Gonzalez. Mr. Keller, one minute. Sure, well, um, a couple of things. I think first, um, look, I, I really respect and appreciate the concept that these officers have been trying hard to keep our city safe for much of their career. And so I would hope anyone would certainly talk to them and listen to them. And also, you know, there, there are laws that govern our city that the mayor can't control. So the CAO is by charter in charge of all the uh, officers. So you, can, you can't just eliminate that because you want to. So I think long story short is if our crew in aggregate, all of the brass and all of the leaders are making progress on crime that's real, are making progress on reform that's real, and they're increasing confidence in the community and in the department, then I will absolutely keep them. All right, thank you, Mr. Um, let's move on to our next question here. Uh, and this is, uh, and as you can probably tell, we're, we're getting from we're going from the questions that were submitted ahead of time uh, to the questions that were uh, submitted during this forum, so it's a, a bit more on the fly right now. Uh, your position on sanctuary cities, we'll give you one minute for that and start with Mr. Keller.
Peter, was that? Yes, that was that was for your your position on sanctuary cities. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so you know, this is another good example. I I understand if people have different opinions, that's fine. This is a circuit. So once again, a mayor can't just wave a magic wand and change everything. But I support our city ordinance. Uh, we're an immigrant-friendly city. I have supported immigrants regardless of documentation uh, since I was a state senator and since I was a state auditor. I take an oath to uh, protect and help everyone in my community. There is nothing in that oath that speaks to any kind of formal documentation. And that's why I honor that oath. And I think it's very important that we have trust between our uh, police officers and the immigrant community. And you cannot have that if you are using anti-immigrant rhetoric if you're supporting deportations, and frankly, if you're buying into Donald Trump and Attorney General Barr's agenda, that makes our city even less safe. Thank you, Mr. Conner. Mr. Aragon, Sanctuary Cities. I am absolutely in total disagreement with the city ordinance. I would uh, use the bully pulpit of the mayor's office to put the Albuquerque, uh, uh, the people of Albuquerque first. I'm dead set against Sanctuary Cities. Uh, I will continue to repeat that. Uh, we don't need to be and I can tell you that Mayor Kelly cashed a $10 million check uh, because he was more focused on playing the politics in, in an election year and was speaking out directly to Donald Trump with the ridiculousness of, of making signs that, you know, we, we nothing's good here from Donald Trump. Uh, let me tell you something. As a Hispanic 11th generation and somebody who knows many people who were legal immigrants who come in, the biggest people who are opposed to illegal immigration and becoming a sanctuary city are legal immigrants. These are people who've worked hard. They've worked through the system. They paid the price because they love this country. And I can tell you right now, putting the citizens of Albuquerque first ahead of the illegal immigrants who come in, and you know how they pay their way to get here, uh, we'll be putting... Thank you, Mr. Aragon. Your time has expired. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Gonzalez, uh, to close out the question on sanctuary cities, one minute. And you're, you're muted, sir. I would go through a legal review and and examine to see if that sanctuary city policy is deemed constitutional. If it is not, I would use my executive office and power to remove that through a legal review. And if you want to really look at it from a basic standpoint, a community standpoint, and a people standpoint, this is a minority majority state. And that is a very divisive policy because it pits immigrants against minorities. And anything that pits people against each other is bad. And so I would, I would say we already have United States immigration laws. We should adhere to them, especially as elected officials because we took a constitutional oath and I've never breached that. So I would make sure that those Policies are deemed constitutional, and then if not, we don't enforce them, and or we don't honor them because they would be deemed null void. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gonzalez. And our our lightning round continues. Uh, if voters approve, one of you will begin your term later this year with a standing order to construct a new soccer stadium, and at least fifty million dollars could do it. Where should such a stadium be constructed, and why? You have one minute. Mr. Aragon goes first. It shouldn't. We have uh, other priorities. 
there isn't a bond that we don't like here in the city of Albuquerque uh, to challenge, and I'm glad that it's on the ballot and it made the ballot uh, two nights ago. City Council, you will find that the voters are going to be dead set against it, especially in this COVID crisis. There wasn't one game, not one game that was played in front of a crowd in all of 2020. I understand the need for a different venue at a different time. This is not the time to go ahead and construct a new stadium. Uh, if the uh, if we get there, and I don't think that we will, uh, and we're thinking about a place to put a, a brand new stadium, as uh, being a former resident of downtown, we'll evaluate that. But as a commercial real estate guy, we'll look at traffic counts. We'll look at everything else. If that's something that they wanted, I can tell you there's nobody better to have a better understanding of what's happening in terms of the attraction. I worked at the First Baptist Church, the Metro Center. I was a commercial real estate broker. I'm going to tell you where the best place to put it. But I can tell you the voters come November are going to turn out in mass to turn down the new soccer stadium at a cost of $50 million to the taxpayers. Thank you, Mr. Aragon. Mr. Gonzalez, one minute. Can you repeat? Uh, yes. Uh, what, where would you uh, construct a new soccer stadium uh, and why in that place? And you're, you're muted right now. Okay, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, Mr. Rice. So are you asking me if it's approved or, or if it's or, or my position on it? I'm confused. Uh, if, if, if voters approve, you will begin your term uh, with more or less a standing order okay. in the soccer stadium. So I'm wondering okay, so where and why. Okay, Mr. Rice. So if it's approved, I would go through into research of where it's, we're going to get the most economic bang for our buck and identify that location for commerce and ensure that it's in the best interest of, of everybody that's in the metro area. And I would take that approach. So I have people and identify that area, uh, the economic developers of this community to identify that, that place in Albuquerque. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gonzalez. Mr. Well, you have one minute. Sure. Well, you know, number one is I want to make sure it's a multi-use stadium. I want to make sure that uh, the city owns it just like we do isotopes. Uh, and, you know, I want to make sure that we've got partners putting in real funding just like we did for the isotope stadium. And we did fund a giant study that said it should go uh, downtown. And it doesn't mean that's right. I'm actually open to putting it anywhere. But I to understand a little bit of logic about cities. And, you know, most uh, great cities, big and small, even minor league and AAA teams, uh, they have successful stadiums downtown. But I think Eddie raises a good point. This is a real estate transaction. And so if we can't find the available property and people won't sell us that land and get it like elsewhere. Also, I want to make sure the neighborhoods uh, are okay with it and that it lifts up neighborhoods. And so uh, I'm going to be very sensitive uh, to that aspect as well. Hi, thanks, Mr. Keller. Um, next question. The Albuquerque Police Department is in the middle of a court-approved settlement agreement. This topic is of particular importance to the uh, person who submitted this question. Being an impacted individual that has lost a loved one in the middle of a mental health crisis, who was shot by the responding department. What are your plans to see APD through the CASA process? Uh, you have one minute and we'll begin with Mr. Gonzalez. I would work with the leadership of the Albuquerque Police Department and work with, with the monitor and, and get compliance. So there are so many setbacks and so many excuses made. Figure out 
if the monitor is actually complying through a legal and then set the goal post because oftentimes they're being moved. But importantly is change the leadership, which has been very distracting for the the direction of the police department and the services of the people and hold people accountable there. And it makes sure that the, the chief of police that we select is competent enough to to support and select the staff and surround themselves with the legal staff and the administrative police staff he needs to get that job done and without any com- compromises to public safety. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gonzalez. Mr. Keller, one minute. <clears throat> well, I, I just, I, I can't not express uh, that our chief is competent and so is for him. And I, I just wouldn't say that about anyone in law enforcement. You may not agree with them, but they're competent. And uh, I know clearly the sheriff said he's the smartest person on law enforcement. So um, I just disagree. And so, look, here's the deal with reform. Number one is we created the superintendent position to drive that reform and make sure that we had a chief who could focus on crime. I think it's really important to keep that structure. It's innovative. And both the officers like it, the reform folks like it. This is the kind of innovation that we need to keep going forward with. And also, none of this is easy. I mean, I would just tell you, you know, I'm the second mayor of this, whoever it is next time, we'll be the third mayor, to just say that you can wash this away by saying things. It's <clears throat> a disjustice to the family you mentioned. If this was that easy, we wouldn't have those problems. And so to honor the memory of those who have been victims. You Thank you, Mr. Aragon. Your time has expired. Uh, Mr. Aragon, to close out this question, you have one minute. Thank you. Um, well, uh, Manny does have another year on his term, and he certainly has talked about uh, converging APD with uh, BCSO to alleviate, you know, using cameras, non-compliance, or what have you. Uh, we have seen the hem and hawing that's coming from a lot of people complaining about the DOJ. Look, we've got to accelerate our compliance as quickly as possible. If we're going to complain about it, let's just shut up about it, get fully compliant. But the ACLU sent me a question about this entire thing and said, would you continue to do everything uh, that is in place that has been set by the uh, DOJ? And the fact is, no, we're going to run our own police department. So we're going to accelerate, get everything above board. I think we have another five years, maybe four years left on this thing. We need to be fully compliant. That way we can push the DOJ out of here. We can run our own uh, city of Albuquerque police department because it's not being run right. And it really puts an undue stress, handcuffs our officers handcuffs uh, our ability to have law law enforcement uh, here in the city of Albuquerque. And look what's happened. Our police officers have been afraid. Sir, your time has expired. Thank you, sir. Uh, And we've, uh, I'm afraid we are just about uh, out of time here this evening. But by way of closing out, we wanted to give each of you a chance to give a a brief closing statement. Uh, It'll be one minute long. And Mr. Keller will go first. Well, uh, great to have a discussion, and I know this is just the beginning. And, you know, I think, look, there's one stark thing that I think it's important for people to highlight. It's very easy to just say things. It's a different thing to actually understand what a mayor can do. A judge is in charge of our DOJ and our police reform process. A mayor can't fix that, and it's for good reason. And you got to honor that to get it done. I also think just saying we should do things like, cut overtime, that would descend our city into chaos. We need overtime right now to at least our city. And I also want to think about this notion that 
you know, the city is somehow different than the county. The county's cracking right. It was on the front page of the journal. It's just as bad as the city. So, look, I think we need a mayor who's going to keep us moving forward. And he knows the difference between a talking point and actually crafting policy and moving our city forward. And I want to keep rolling out the thousands of new jobs that we end up during the recovery. I want to step up big for the unhappy finishing the Gateway Center. And I want to make sure to move forward. Mr. Gonzalez, uh, your closing statement, one minute. Yes, Mr. Rice. In closing, I want everybody to take the opportunity for, uh, for this opportunity to join our campaign so everybody can thrive. If people don't want the same results they are getting from this incumbent, they should vote for me, Manny Gonzalez. My track record speaks for itself. Look at what I've done as a sheriff. I've done a lot more with less, less money, less resources. We can do great things with $250 million budgets with the Albuquerque Police Department. I'm asking for the citizens and their support and their vote to restore Albuquerque as a crown jewel of the Southwest. And I appreciate everyone having me on today. I'd like to thank the Have a good evening. Mr. Gonzalez, Mr. Gonzalez, close us out here. One minute. The track record of our leadership, both in uh, in Bernalillo County as well as the city of Albuquerque, is abysmal. That's why I'm uh, sharing my vision. I want to lead this city out of the doldrums and we want to tell you the first. Uh, this isn't about politics. Uh, I love the city. I uh, grew up in Martinez town. I have two children here and I want them to be here. I got to tell you, uh, we all love the city, but I know the city better than my opponents. And let me tell you, I'm going to fight for the 505. That's why I want you to go to fight4505.com. It's not about me. It's not about race. It's not about anything other than the five C's that we're going to focus on, which, of course, is our city first. No one's going to run our city better. We're going to get rid of uh, how we handle COVID here in the city of Albuquerque. We're going to restore commerce. I will tackle crime each and every single day. We do it every day here. And uh, more than I'm the guy who can battle corruption. So join our campaign. Have a lot of fun. Be back. Fightfor505.com. Thank you for your time and your invitation. Thank you, Mr. Aragon.